Welcome to another Living the Past. This is July 1994. My co-host is Ben and I only want to be with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is a good month. Uh, I, I liked a lot of stuff. Uh, the music was just uh, talk about extremes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, before we get, it's into really all... not. But I'm excited anyway because <laughs> this is this is the heart of '94. Like we've talked about this. Like your bar for what's good and what's not is just fucking insane. So let's just you know, it's a good month. It's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's You're wrong. Uh, let's take a let's take a quick uh break in into what we're lo- uh listening and doing now. It's called Living in the Now. Uh I'm trying to do these Living in the Now as quick as possible these days cuz we've got so much stuff to get into, but uh for me especially like at the moment I've gone back into gaming a bit. Um I've been playing The Quarry. Uh, which is like a oh yeah, I've seen ads for that. It's good. It's a, it's like an immersive sort of horror movie um, set at a summer camp. So me and Mal uh, are, are zeroed into that. They also released a um, I don't know whether it was a re-release or this. It's a new a new game sort of made to look very retro. But they've released a new Ninja Turtles game on Xbox and oh. PlayStation Four, and it's uh, it's it is it is basically a arcade brawler. Um, where you can sort of pick your character. Of course, I've picked Donatello because it's the best. And um, yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, for okay, uh, so sorry, for... I, I choked for a second. There. <laughs> so for games, for games especially, Donatello is the best because he's got like the best ranged sort of weapon. You can actually you don't have to get right up close to people to to Nerd. attack him. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, it, no, fair. Okay, it's fair. he's the best. I mean, in my opinion, he's the best turtle. But like, he's definitely the best uh, tactical wise in games. But um, he's not the coolest, though, is he? Well, no. It depends what you want out of your turtle, I suppose. Uh, what have be you cool. been? What have you been watching and doing? Um, so I I tried to get back onto my my game stint, uh, mm. but you know when you go through a phase. And you're like, you're so heavy into it. You think, oh my God, I'm never going to stop doing this. Yeah. And then you stop for a little bit and you just don't want to go back. Like, I'm not feeling it right now. I've actually, I've started playing guitar a lot more lately. Oh, good. Um, cool. And I'm, I was obsessing a lot over that until I kind of broke it. Oh. I'm not sure what's wrong with it, but it uh, <laughs> doesn't sound very good anymore. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's definitely the guitar and not you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I changed the strings, and apparently I somehow changed the setup, and now it sounds bad. Uh, I need to go take it to uh, take it down yeah. to Frank. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I've been training for the upcoming RecLink Community Cup. Oh, it's going to happen this year, isn't it? So you were. It uh, is we, happening. We talked, we talked about this on our um, on last year's episodes because uh, you know actually year, not the nineties year, <laughs> um, and um, but it never came to be so because of COVID and stuff. But like this this time it's, it's gonna it's gonna go ahead. Yeah, it, it's booked in. There's a venue. There's a date. July thirty first at Cooper's Stadium in Norwood. Mm. Come along, support a charity. Stadium. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, big time. So come out, uh, support charities, support people that don't know how to play football very well. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, and if this, if you're listening and it's not yet July 31st, maybe come out and play. Yeah. Oh, no, I just quit it off screen. And, but, you know, just make sure you keep him separated. Um, uh, so. <laughs> but more importantly, I've been watching Under the Banner of Heaven. Is that good? It is quite good. I, 
you, you know me in TV shows, it takes a bit to invest. I'm not invested, hmm. but I'm watching it. From episode one, I'm like, ooh, what, where, where is this going? Is this about um, Mormons? It is. Is it about and, is it based on the book um about the murder yes. or yeah okay cool. yeah yeah um which uh there's a funny connection so a friend of the show jeff ament from pearl jam <laughs> has done the soundtrack for it oh uh, yes yeah um, yep. and his friend eddie vetter did the soundtrack to a film also by a film based on a book by john krakauer yeah 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 strange. I, I think i remember starting um uh, Under the Banner of Heaven or whatever it is, like the book. And I was like, the first chapter's like really heavy. I'm like, oh no, 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 I'm not into this right at the moment. <laughs> and I just put it down. I'm like, no, I'm going to go read a comic instead. It's, yeah, the uh, first episode is quite a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. But after that, it it yeah, it gets very interesting. It gets into it pretty quickly, I feel like, which is nice. Okay. All right. I, I have seen it pop up on, on my um on my stuff, so I'm going to, I might give it a go. All right, so let's get into this uh, this chalk field. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a Forrest Gump reference for chalk field, but I just can't. Um, <laughs> let's just get on to the events. Going through the events, uh, we've got okay. This uh, again, I don't always know to start off the mood like you know, lighthearted or <laughs> or horrible. I think I'm going to go for horrible this time. So. In Texas, on the holiday weekend, which is like the um, July 4th weekend, they had 60 people die in car crashes over the weekend and 46 in one day, um, which is a record it, for the state. Was it like a long weekend? It was, was, it like was the holiday week. It was, it was like the um, 4th of July weekend. Ah, um, oh, right. The biggest one was apparently a um, there was a family and uh, a, like another sort of um, large people carrier sort of collided, and that was like about sixteen people just in one. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was it was a huge. Um, it was like yeah, the record. I don't know if the record's been broken. I didn't really want to know if that got broken. I, I, I don't want to know if that got broken at all. It's not a record yeah. that I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite significant at the time. Um, then we've also got uh, Dr. John Britton um, was murdered. He was a uh, a doctor that performed abortions. Uh, oh. Always just that. It's not funny, but it's just that whole thing of like how ridiculous are these people who kill someone to protest the fact that they they perceive that he's killing things. <laughs> it just it just it's just like you know an eye for an eye. It's just so ridiculous, um, but yeah, he was walking to. He'd done. He'd been. He'd been one of the. Like, he wasn't even outspoken, really. He was just a guy that was performing a service for women that was sorely needed. And then uh, this this guy um, uh, shot him with a shotgun and and killed him and killed his bodyguard and also um, injured his wife. Uh, it did result he had a bodyguard. in bodyguard. Yeah, he needed it, and the reason. Um, wow. And this is like this is sorry, the, like trigger warning but like the guy said i made sure i shot him in the head because i know that he'd be he'd be wearing a uh a bulletproof vest because most anti-doctors at the time were, were wearing bulletproof vests because this was such a regular occurrence and is, so this is, man was captured and is now in prison he's dead he's uh he got um uh, executed on 2000 september 3rd 2003 <laughs> of course um, he did because <laughs> Death for death. Eye for eye. That works. Um, they did have, uh, and I don't. I, I, it didn't actually come to to fruition, but like it did. Uh, members of Congress actually said the FBI should be 
trying to infiltrate these anti-abortion groups. Um, you know, they've done it for a lot of other terrorist organizations over the years. Like, so why wouldn't you do it for this? Uh, but I mean, you know. is it because there's too many people in the FBI that? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Like, you know, when 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 a lot of these organizations are like, you know, backed by large religious um, factions, um, maybe they're not regarded do, as a terrorist group in some people's eyes. Do we have another term for that as well, by the way? Because I know it's supposed to be pro-life and pro-choice, but mm. I feel like pro-life is incorrect. So, there, there, so there's been a couple of documentaries made about it, and a, and a couple of, a couple of pretty good um, uh, articles. If you look, there's a GQ article about it. Um, so, yeah, um, just. <laughs> Things were still horrible back then, too. Uh, Anna McCall Smith, um, <laughs> as you might know, she was a former um, stripper and, and a playmate. She married a uh, Texas billionaire called J. Howard Marshall II, and he was 89 years old at the time. Uh, so there was like a very, very big sort of like um, call out that she was just doing it for the money. Um, he did die a year later, and then she uh, there was a huge big court case about uh he, he she said that she said that he verbally said to her that she could have half <laughs> of his fortune but there was nothing in writing so there was this huge big oh court case God. it went on it went on for years up until i think even her death um like a few years like i mean obviously in the 2000s but yeah it's it, it was just a huge big thing what's what's your stance on this because <clears throat> i feel like this is the first one like the, this happened quite a little bit afterwards my big thing is that if if like if the guy if but if they're both wanting to do it then like it's not my business it's just like and seriously if the man is of sound mind if the elderly person is of sound mind and they likely know that they're just being used but if they can be made happy in their later years mm. by someone using them is it not win-win well, that's the thing is like you know, and like he's eighty nine. Like he, like, uh, what's he going to spend money on? He's 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 never wanted for anything for like you know half of his life at least. So it's like, you know, it's mostly it's it, it is unfair. Like if um his relative, like his children, his relatives, like thought that they were going to sort of get a um a a, a piece of the money, but like they they might have gone on and use that money to like. Thunder anti-abortion group. I don't know. So, like, it's but then just that a, just shows that yeah. if your dad was more willing to give money to his one-year-long relationship. Then he was probably a shit dad. And also, but you like might be shit, and, or, or you might have been shit kids too. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you should if, if you want to wait and expect things, if you want a, a, a hour and forty-minute study into this, you should watch the uh, Michael Jackson-led movie uh, Greedy that we talked about in March nineteen ninety-four, which is pretty much the same exact thing. So um, maybe maybe she got inspired by that. She's like, oh, I'm going to do that. Um, uh, I did have down here um, Alexander Downer um, election comments, but I've went through everything that he did back in April. <laughs> and I just feel like you'll just be flogging a dead horse. Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> numbers in Australia, we moved to eight numbers. So we put an eight. Uh, when in South Australia, we put an eight in front of our numbers. So um, I remember that was a bit... <laughs> I don't know. It was like... It just frustrated parents across the land. It's like, why? Why do I have to do this? Well, it's just like I'm calling... Because in Australia, in, in South Australia, like if you're calling interstate or calling somewhere from into South Australia, you had to put 08 at the start. So now they'd have to put 088. <laughs> and it just blew people's minds, I remember. Yeah. Amazon was founded. 
moving on. Boo. Um, <laughs> uh, so, well, actually, one thing I should do is that the, the myth has definitely been busted. Like, like if you ever like look about anything about early Amazon days with um, Jeff Bezos, it's like, oh, I did it outside my um out of my parents' garage, and it's like your parents lived in Bellevue in Washington. It is quite an affluent area. They gave you the money to set it up. You you can say that like you used your very very huge parents' um, garage because like you know it 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 summons up uh, these images of like he was like he was like punk. I'm like the <laughs> the punk Jeff Bezos like doing Amazon. I'm shipping products out of my parents' basement. Yeah, man, he's got an anarchy sign up. You know you know who Je- you know who he is. Who? He's he's Preston's brothers. From blank check, he is yes. His dad just handed him computers. He's probably his little brother probably had his band in the garage and like get the fuck out of the garage now. I'm starting a business, dipshit. Yeah, I'm gonna exploit people. Get out of the way. <laughs> I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for uh, very many a year, and then um, I, I will say though, like the union movement that's happening now is is quite promising to see from like some people i can't believe they're around i thought for sure in the early 2000s that amazon was going to be the first one to drop because the website everything about it just looked shit and they're not going to survive it's hacky deep i have to admit that i i had no knowledge of its presence of anything before maybe what 10 years ago like I, i i just wasn't something that i like if i was I wasn't like a big buyer of stuff off the internet. Like I was always like, um, I was, I was just I had, my, I had my father's distrust in like putting my financial details out there. <laughs> um, so I, uh, um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I'll say now. I mean, transparency. I do subscribe to Amazon Prime Video, and I do buy stuff through Amazon. Um, especially during pandemic, it was. I'm sorry to say, a lot easier <laughs> to get stuff because, you know, supply chain issues and lots of stuff. But yeah. uh, it's that thing of like, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I can take pot shots at him, but I'm sure he's done some good, but I think there's, he's done a lot of bad as well. So maybe he needs to balance that well, out. Well, nice, the nice thing with most rich people is to avoid uh, paying their taxes, they donate a lot of money to charities, mm. generally. So I'm sure he's donated a lot of money to charities. Yeah, let's say he did that. Yeah, then he went but to also, space. yeah, go to space. And leave us alone. Crayola introduced scented crayons into the market. So, um, not really sure why they did this. I was trying to find like it was just a, like a bit of a, um, a just to encourage kids even more to eat them. I guess. Well, I'm glad you said that because a year later, parents were complaining because their kids were eating crayons. <laughs> This, I'm not even joking. Like they, they had to. They actually pulled a whole bunch of them because uh, they had so many people coming to the hospital um, having eaten like a box of crayons. I am not surprised. Every time I go into Lush or when we go to someone's birthday and they get like nice makeup stuff or bath stuff, or I'm like, mm. is that is, is is that food or is that? <laughs> Would body. you like to hear the uh, the featured fragrances of the crayons? Is there banana? Yeah, there is. Yes. So you got orange, lemon, banana, chocolate, strawberry, blueberry, cherry, spearmint, lime, licorice, grape, rose, pine, rose, okay, pine, coconut, bubblegum, and fresh air. One kid's just like, no, I don't have to eat flowers. I can just eat my rose crayons. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You go to the hospital and they've still got the pack and like every kid's packet still has spearmint left over. <laughs> 
It's like even, I don't like this even, even in crayons, they're like, no. Nah. <laughs> what am I brushing my, my teeth here? <laughs> give, me, give me some more. Give me some more chocolate. <laughs> I imagine them like trying to match them up. Like, oh, let's put a chocolate banana together. You got like a oh, you got like a sommelier um, toddler as like oh, you want to you want to pair this with a uh, a chocolate (laughs) with a uh, you want a Jaffa flavor Uh, chocolate and uh, orange. uh, (laughs) Two kids at the table is like, well, I'm feeling cheeky today. I'll do. (laughs) Disclaimer: These do not taste like foods. (laughs) It's like, uh, would you like to uh, be pooping a rainbow for the rest of the week? (laughs) Disclaimer: Putting all the colors together just makes brown. As withdrawing. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I think that is everything. Uh, oh, no, and Val Kilmer was announced yeah. as the next Batman, and he was shitting himself. I read a few articles, and he said, "Like, look, we all love, um, we all love the Keats. I don't know if I can do this, <laughs> um, but we will get to that next year." Um, where he will be in a ridiculously stupid movie with. I bet the... there was, but there was a lot of outrage that he was blonde at the time, wasn't there? Yeah, well, he had just come off. What was he doing? Like he, he hadn't done Heat yet. Because I, I remember Heat and Batman were kind of con- concurrent with him. I think he was doing it because, like, with Heat, he had that ponytail thing going on. But at, at the end of the movie, he's looking more like a uh, Bruce Wayne. So, yeah, we'll get to that. I don't. I feel like he hadn't really done a lot in comparison to Michael Keaton. Yeah, well, Michael Keaton had like you know, man, Michael Keaton. I've I've actually been going through his back back catalogue and eighties eighties Michael Keaton. Oh man. Oh wait, Valkyrie was in Tombstone. So yeah, uh, that is the events. Now we got a whole big. I, I even got a little little thing to add to your sports. So let's get onto sports right now. So, do, do you want to? Are you going to start with sports? Are you taking the lead now in sports? No, 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 just, no. I, 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 a very major sporting event. Butt. A very major sporting event happened. So uh, I want you to. Um, to, to it did yes. So uh, Tony Moderat kicked two goals <laughs> for the Adelaide Crows versus Richmond in uh, round fifteen. Matthew Richardson kicked four, and Richmond won by seven points. Sucker forever. Um. I just also want to make note, uh, at the end of July, Richmond were in fourth position on the ladder. Okay. Looking good. Looking very good. With like six or seven rounds left, I think. Yep. Things are looking good. Stand I'm by. glad. I'm glad for you. It's very exciting times. They didn't win the grand final, so who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, usually I'll try and end on some sporting gossip. Mm-hmm. But... I'm going to start off with some today, even though I already said something. But do you know what a corked bat is? Because I did not. In cricket or baseball? Baseball. Same sport, apparently. (laughs) Um, Um, Is it when... Can I take a guess? You may, yes. Is it to lighten the bat so you get, like, more... Like, you can hit hard or something, or...? That is correct. (gasps) I've taken off my shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, so some players would hollow out the center of their bat, uh, put cork in it, so it's a lot lighter, so they can swing a lot faster, hit a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and the ball apparently goes further. 
Well, I don't see... That's the thing. Like, I don't get how that would work because you're also... The integrity of the bat is then, like, it comes into question because I'm assuming there's, like, a weight. Uh, there needs to be a certain weight that's, like, the regulation for... for um, the oh, yeah, it's completely illegal. Yeah, but, like, I understand, like, I can... To, to hit harder, that's cool, but, like, if you're also taking out, like, the, the thickness of the bat, I thought you just, like, break the bat more. Potentially. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, the Cleveland baseball team. Yep. <laughs> we're playing the Chicago White Sox. I forgot what they changed their name to. That's that's, that's, no, you got it. This is, the Cleveland, this, is, this is called the Cleveland baseball team. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That's what um, Washington did with their football team for a while. What? For the, the Washington football for, team? Yeah, after they dropped their previous name, they were just called Washington football. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I kind of like. Mm. Uh, so, in the first innings, White Sox manager Gene Lamont was tipped off that Cleveland batter Albert Bell was using a corked baseball bat. Who which... was it tipped off by? Did they say? Uh, they not... like baseball spies? <laughs> Probably. She here. Um... <laughs> so, one of the referees uh, confiscates the bat. Okay. And locks it up in the umpire's dressing room. Referee, umpire's same thing, whatever. This is the fun part. Okay. Cleveland a, know that it's... it is corked. Okay, cool. They know they they know they've been busted. Okay. So one of their pitchers, Jason Grimsley, mm-hmm. is sent off to retrieve it <laughs> from the referee's room. Do they put him through the vents? <laughs> He climbed through the ceiling in the clubhouse (laughs) with a flashlight in his mouth. This is Die Hard. He climbs down into the umpire's room, swaps the bats over, climbs back up, gets out. Nothing ever happened. Unfortunately... It was, another, was it another cork bat that he swapped it with? Well, no, she, they replaced it with someone else's bat with someone else's name on it. So oh, they knew Jesus straight away Christ. that... Yeah. Okay, he um, left what? But he left clumps, like, the ceiling tiles had, like, broken up a bit on his way in oh and out. God. So he left clumps of ceiling tile on the floor. <laughs> gave it away. Like um, referee comes back, he's like, wait a minute. And, and then the bat said, Sorrento's, like... <laughs> The player, his signature was on the bat. This is amazing. Someone should make this into a movie or at least a sketch. Yeah. Surely it must have been. SNL must have covered this. Drunk history. Come on. Um, You will not believe what comes next. Oh, man. I'm already, I'm, I'm dialed in, man. An, in, an investigation was carried out that weekend by a little-known agency called the FBI. Oh, my God. Mulder and Scully comes they in. They were flown in... By the Major League Baseball Corporation. You know, this would be something, to... just, something that Skinner would send Mulder in, like, to just to piss him off. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll find out it was tombs in the vents. <laughs> he's come back out and he's, he's now playing for Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. So, <laughs> they were ordered by the league... Uh, to hand over the bat because, you know, obviously they found out. Um, 
apparently it says the FBI they'd threatened to involve the FBI, but they'd also flown them out, so they were involved. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. Um, it only took four or five days before they were X-raying the bat. Oh <laughs> they my god! They it in half. It, this is a big deal. Uh, the batter who's who belonged who the bat belonged to yeah uh, was suspended for ten games. Wow. Uh, it was then dropped to seven. Uh, it did not matter in them because the season gets called off uh, very soon. Yeah, well, that was the big thing is that they um there was a play there was a pay dispute. It was like one of the first times. Yeah, or, was it one of the first times or one of the longest times that they um they the I think it was the longest. Yeah, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so this only really came out uh, in 1999, okay. which I'm not going to wait until then until. No, but the guy who climbed through the vent, climbed through the vent, um, was playing for the Yankees at the time, and he told the story to the New York Times. Um, yeah, coming clean on his his side of the story that he climbed man. through the vent. Oh man, swap want, over a bat. I want to see and it this. Didn't work. Kevin Costner will have to be in there at some point. He'll probably be the. Mm, would he be the coach, or would he be like the FBI agent, or maybe the technician? Uh, I mean, maybe the X-ray technician. There's so many baseball movies going on at this time as well. They must have been throwing this around in Hollywood for like, who can we cast? Because we've already cast everybody in a baseball film. Who is left? He like, he works for the FBI. They get the guy comes in and says, "Boss, I reckon a baseball's been baseball bat's been cocked in uh, Washington." Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, JFK. Um... I can't believe you didn't want to get uh, Tommy Lee Jones on the case. Well, look, we'll, we'll hear from Tommy later. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Am I on yet, Paul? No. no, no, not yet, man. No. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, some some big events. The 1994 Goodwill Games. Dude, stop bearing the lead. <laughs> no. you got to build up to the big event at the end. Is this... Uh, this, is, this is how things work. Is this... I was gonna make a. I was, is, I was trying to make. I was trying to make a joke about op shops and Goodwill, but I can't. So that, just, just tell me what the Goodwill games are. Uh, it was a multi-sport event. It's basically a mini Olympics created yeah. by. Oh, I was gonna call him a psychopath, but I don't think he is. Uh, some sort of maniac called Ted Turner. Oh, yeah. It was to help improve relationships between America and Russia. He is a bit of a maniac. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he is. Um. But there's actually there was a lot of teams involved. Australia was involved in it. Um, All right. It was, it was basically a mini Olympics. Okay. Um, Russia actually just fucking smashed it. Uh, <laughs> so Sixty-eight the, gold. So when so that even the Goodwill game set up by an American, if Russia won, the Americans was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> Maybe it was like, just to make relations better, let's let Russia win lots of gold medals. Oh, let the Wookiee win. Good yeah, about okay, cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this was the third one, so that uh, this has gone on for a while. They did it. It's a lot of goodwill. Uh, every, f- yeah. Um, surprisingly, the the last ever one they did was in Brisbane. Huh. Oh, let's yeah. let's do let's let's get let's get rid of this. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone too far. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's not heaps report it actually closed off in july but you know 
stuff happened there was sport I mean, there's probably actually dramas within it i didn't look into it too much i just thought it was weird and yeah, wanted to make mention there's not going to be any dramas at the goodwill games that's kind of like against the whole goodwill thing. Oh, i bet there was <laughs> there had to be um <laughs> the canada canadian's like the, hey this is a goodwill games eh no shenanigans <laughs> so this is the news of the month no, uh, obviously, it's not going to be what I think it's going to be, and I just—I'm not even going to. No, this play is your game. this is the this is the biggest sporting news of the year. I'm not playing your game because you're going to say something about Modra. No, no, no. About, is it curling? No, this is. I'm not even hyping it up too much. This is honestly the biggest news that happened. Okay. The Seattle SuperSonics. Oh, Jesus Christ. Were. A whisker away from trading away Sean Kemp okay. and receiving Scotty Pippen. Right. It was all lined up. It was all set to go. Michael Jordan was talked to Sonics coach George Carl and said, you need Scotty on your team. I'm not coming back. I don't need him in Chicago. If you want a championship, because obviously the Sonics just got knocked out in the first round because it's fucking useless. <laughs> um, but the chicken nuggets, yeah, cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was, it was well on its way to happening. Um, Sean Kemp is just a beast, but he didn't have much else rather than being a beast. Scotty Pippen was like an all around great player yep. and everyone knew it. Teaming up Pippen and Peyton was going to be their championship team. And Kemp would Jordan go around. to Chicago. It was like a flat trade. Would. Okay, yep. cool. Uh, and then I think a radio station got wind of it. Um, um fans got wind of it. And everyone went berserk and was like, don't you dare trade our Rain Man. Like, <laughs> the Rain Man. Uh, he ended still, up Still not sure about that. Uh, still not sure. Later. Yeah, I'm still not sure about that nickname they had for him. <laughs> like, I understand, like, the basketball connotation for it, but, like, to call someone a Rain Man back in those days would be, like, it's spelled different. It's okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So that didn't happen. Um, what? How is no. Jordan? How is Jordan even part of the? Like he's not even playing basketball at the moment. He's like he's he's playing baseball. He plays golf with George Carl occasionally. <laughs> okay. So but like, he also said chat. like, I don't need Scottie Pippen. I'm not coming back. Well, it, it, but he does come back, doesn't he? Yeah, but he didn't know that at the time. He thought he was done. <laughs> but then sliding doors moment. If Scottie Pippen left Chicago. Would Jordan have come back to that team? Yeah. Yeah. And if he did, would he have still won without Pippen? Because everyone said, like, there was no Jordan without Pippen. Yeah, he's a very strange man. They all are. They're all maniacs. (laughs) They're all maniacs. (laughs) All right. What you've come to hear. The 1994 FIFA World Cup. There we go. Like, I'm not a uh, huge World Cup fan, but I'm just like, I was just thought that that would be like up on Front Street. But yeah, um, I so if I can just take this away from you for a bit. Um, I remember it. this was like when I was in peak into soccer, um, like part of my life. Like I was watching the English uh, Premier League very closely. I was a Manchester United fan. Sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was like, they were winning. <laughs> I, the story you told me when we met is you and your brother just like closed your eyes and picked a team out of the newspaper. No, no, no. That was for um, when we were playing on like the game. When I'm did pretty... Fulham come along then? What? 
Fulham came along late. Like Fulham came along back when I was trying to get back into it. Uh, when I started playing uh, FIFA like oh six or FIFA whatever. Back when I was, <clears throat> I think, oh no, FIFA oh five. The um on PlayStation. That's when I started to get back into. Like I was like, I think I was looking for a team, and then for some reason I chose Fulham, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for Fulham now. I don't have. That didn't work out, did it? Uh, oh, look, I still check in on Fulham. Um, I just, I just, I'm, I'm a bit sick of sports now. Like sports just aren't fun anymore to me, but that's fine. Um, so back in 1994, like I was, yeah, soccer mad. Uh, so the World Cup came on. This is back when um, SBS Channel in Australia were showing every match. There was no none of this rights bullshit. There was, you have to watch it through Optus. You have to watch it through you know Ko and lots of stuff. It's just like, and that's one of the reasons why I also fell out of sports, just because it kept became so monetized and so yeah. Like so hard to watch without like forking out money per um to teams that are like already have like so much money. So um we were um, um, my brother I think is one of the ones where he watched every single game of the World Cup. Like he 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 used to take his um annual holidays um to fit in with soccer tournaments. Um, that's so such I remember, a feat as well because that's that's a lot of games it's a lot of games yeah this is like you know and 94 is probably looked on um, I mean um, you'll probably go into it too but like it was very hot it was in the United States like it was just in the middle of heat the waves. summer yeah we're actually um, next month I was going to touch on um, in the events there's there's heat there's actually heat records going on all over the world at this time like it was like it was, it was one of the biggest like the hottest summers for the northern hemisphere um, ever uh, so, and just just to touch back on uh, your brother watching every game, yeah. for people that weren't around in 1994, you didn't have a mobile phone to start with, but you've got no Facebook or Instagram. No. You, if you're watching something on TV, like that's all you've got. Yeah. You've maybe got, got conversation. You've maybe got like other people around, but you don't have anything else to distract you. Or, like, you know, if you get bored, you can do something else for five minutes and then go back to it. Like you're just watching it. I'm literally looking up the scores for like NBA and lots of stuff in the newspaper the next morning. There's like a, there's like a page in the back that showed you all the overnight scores and stuff, and that's where that's where you'd find out. So, yeah, yeah, we lived in the olden days. Um, <laughs> so we um, I I caught a few of them. Like um, I was very very big on Sweden as as I've said before. So um, they had this this striker called Kenneth Anderson that used to do the um Aussie Rules football, um, the goal umpires the two fingers oh, yeah. pointing out he said that when he scored a goal i was very very big on that and, I, and sweden actually got pretty far in it from memory um and i remember my, my brother was very into um like romania and bulgaria like they had um uh, stoichkov for bulgaria and i think um romania romania got actually pretty pretty far as well i'm pretty sure they used to do it right back then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they and had, they, they were colourful, like exciting teams as well. They also had a um a, a, a player on their team that looked exactly like uh, David Duchovny. <laughs> I think it was, <laughs> I think it might have been, might have been Popescu, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll try and find it and send it to him. But yeah, like me and um, my brother used to just call him Mulder. Um, uh, but I remember watching the World Cup, uh, the World Cup final, and um, so um, to set the scene, Brazil and Italy uh, meet in the final. It is a zero zero draw at full time. It is a zero zero draw at extra time, <laughs> and then they go to penalties. It is a long ass game. Like it started at four o'clock in the morning, and I'm trying. To, I'm actually getting ready Ugh. for school, 
and it's like I'm still watching the penalty shootout. And my brother, I think actually, I think his um, his holidays ended. I think he actually had to go to work because um, he just assumed it would be over. But like it's seven thirty in the morning now, and like the game's still going, and <laughs> he's just like he's like he's so angry. He's like, Arr. so I remember watching it, and um, if you've never seen it, Roberto Baggio, um, famed striker. They were basically keeping him back, holding him back. So, like, you know, if they needed a secret weapon in the penalty shootout, they've got their best striker. And I'll never forget, when he's lining up for it, he looks drunk. And he's probably just really hot. <laughs> he's just really, really hot. And, like, I mean, it's been, he's, it's, it's been a long game. And, there's been, like, the world's watching him. And he comes forward and he doesn't, he doesn't even, like, hit. He, hits, he kicks it over the top of the crossbar. Um... The goalie just doesn't have to do anything, and Brazil wins. And it's just like I wasn't a big fan of Baggio. Like I was a, like you know because I I used to go to school with like quite a few um, Italian kids, and they used to like just have pictures of Baggio like all over their desks and walls near their desks and all stuff. So I was like yeah. sick of looking at the dude. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, um, but that day I'm like. <laughs> Do I go in? I was like, I, was, I think I said to one of them, I was like, hey, Viva Brasilia. And he's like, I'll punch you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I might put my head in today. Um, but yeah, that it's was... It's funny how people would get so invested in a nation that their great-grandparents went to once. Yeah, and I think a lot of these were like at least second generation. Like, I think these, these were pretty like... I can understand like their their love for the home for their home country all that you know their home country but like you know from a country that's close to their heart but like yeah back then soccer um and it's probably the same now but like i remember you know even if you had like a touch of some other country in like your lineage you're like oh i'm all in for scotland or oh, i'm all in for this and all of that i'm like okay like cause this is how fights start yeah yeah i was never really into that like home nation pride like yeah. so- like I'm born in Scotland. I want Scotland to do well, but like if you go to war, I'm not running back to help you fight a war. Like that's your own fucking stupidity. Um, you ain't nice. You'd just be of... like a bunch of guys from the front bar, front bar of the Glasgow pub, just like <laughs> it's like stitch you. Speaking of Scotland, yes, they weren't. They weren't there. No, they weren't. <laughs> no, um, um, Australia wasn't I think there. This, this is the first World Cup since World War Two that. None of the British nations were in it. Ireland yeah, was there. So we we uh, Northern we, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and then we were not. Yeah, we uh, we went through this on the um, one of our earlier podcasts about how England got knocked out by um, I think Denmark uh, in the group stage. So like you had Romania, Switzerland, United States, Colombia, um, and then you had Brazil, Sweden, Russia, Cameroon. I actually remember a bunch of those matches because um, yeah, Sweden were kind of Kind of took people by surprise. Like, they were actually really, really good. Yeah, Germany, Spain, South Korea, and Bolivia. Also, and... Germany's uh, united again. Yep. The first time since uh, nine, since before World War Two. Also, Germany's the most nation. boring football team to watch in the history of um, anything. No, that, that's Italy. No, Germany's just like, it's just defense. We do defense. <laughs> that's not a German <laughs> accent. Um, Nigeria, Bulgaria, Argentina... And then we also had uh, Mexico, Republic of Ireland, and Italy. I remember Republic of Ireland also surprised a few people. Like they they won more than what they thought <laughs> people thought they would. Um, oh, they would be loving it as well. Like the fact that England and Northern Ireland didn't make it, and yep. they were there. 
So Netherlands, uh, Saudi Arabia, Belgium, and Morocco. So the Netherlands were at their, this is like peak Netherlands um, football team. <laughs> Half of them were, were playing for Barcelona. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sweden got to the uh, to the semifinal um, against Brazil, and they only got beaten 1-0. Um, whereas, yeah, and, and I remember that's the Bulgaria um, got to the semifinal too, which is just insane. Like... This small nation that no one sort of yeah. everyone sort of wrote off, but they were, they nearly got into the World Cup final. Yeah, it does not make any sense. Yeah, they beat Germany <laughs> to get there, um, and then Sweden beat uh, Bulgaria in the um, third place payoff four uh, 0 So I mean, but no, no one cares about that. Uh, so what what I wanted to uh, um, touch on though is that uh, Colombia made it to the World Cup. Um, unfortunately, they they didn't get through, and there was a bit of tragedy. Um, that, linked to that too uh they played Italy, um they played the united states in one of the group stages and there was a uh guy called andres escobar and he inadvertently um scored an own goal um he was like it's it's when you watch it again like it's just like any own goal you're, you're like going oh man like he did not mean to do that it's, it's, it's just it's just it breaks your heart watching it too um it basically means that the United States were one um, nil, and then they they end up winning two uh, one, and Colombia got uh, uh, sent home. Um, he was supposed to go to Andreas Escobar was supposed to go to Las Vegas, but he decided to go back home, and he went out drinking one night with some friends. Um, at some point during the night, he they split up, um, and then he found himself in a uh, alone in a, in a car, car park. Three men approached him and then shot him six times. Um, Someone said, like there was um, witnesses or someone could hear after every shot. One of the one of the guys was saying, "Goal, goal, goal," and apparently uh. they shot him. Apparently they shot him. Um, uh, yeah, a number of times. To this day, a lot of people say that it's got nothing to do with the game, but like a lot of people think that it does. He, mm-hmm. they did actually catch the guy. And the next, uh, I think it was the next day, um, and then um, he was uh, sentenced, I think, to twenty seven years in, in jail. Um, he is out now. Um, I think he got um, good behaviour, sort of thing. But yeah, they, they said there might be a drug a drug contingent to it too. But I think a lot of people to the state think it's just basically because he scored the own goal. Um, and then <laughs> English commentator, not not for England to be uh, you know let out of everything, made a uh, poorly worded joke. Um, not two days after this happened, about I think about an Argentinian player, they said like uh, you know something about like. You don't want to make any mistakes, and everyone's like, "This is why you're not in the World Cup." The, South America was the butt of many jokes, um, which probably all come back to this. Really, like that was a common thing. Like, if you do something bad while playing for a South American team, that it's not safe to go home. Yeah, um, there is a thirty for thirty called the Two Escobars that you can watch um, about it, and it's really, really good. Um, I oh, that's who that's about. Yeah. Um, uh. I mean, also let's, let's we shouldn't sort of gloss over the fact that the Colombia was a very, very dangerous place to be at the time. Like there was just the murder rate there was just astonishing. So um, it could have been wrong place, wrong time, but like a lot of people still think that it's there's, there's like more to it. So yeah, um, do you have any more sport? Now that I've hijacked, uh, did I mention that, <laughs> that you came in and just set it on a downer for everyone? Did, did I mention that there's a corked bat and someone climbed through a ceiling? <laughs> yes, you did. To retrieve it? <laughs> Let's go on to film. Wow. 
Let's uh, let's go. Let's look at this stuff. We got Baby's Day Out, Blown Away, The Shadow, Forrest Gump, Angels in the Outfield, True Lies, The Client, Lassie, North, The Mask, It Could Happen to You, A Troll in Central Park, and Spanking the Monkey. Those last two I couldn't find, so boring them. Um, I, I thought the last two were pornos. <laughs> um, this this the I I was I actually think that this month's movies could be an episode all of its own but we're going to try and like limit the amount that we talk to it talk about these movies um i want to what what did you end up watching i watched angels in the outfield true lies north the mask and i feel like i saw forrest gump not that long ago okay i did see baby stay out a lot as a child i watched um, that recently with my kids and it's still pretty delightful um and I, but... I have seen it could happen to you once upon a time as well i'll we'll get to that um, so Baby's Day Out, I will just sort of gloss over a few of them. Um, Baby's Day Out is, is, is still holds up. My kids watch really? it. And yeah, we, they wanted to watch it again, like recently. Like, so they love that film. Um, I ended up, yeah, I, I know. yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't know what to watch. And I remember at an op shop, I found, you know, when they used to release those five movie, movie packs. Oh yeah, it was like a family one, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I got like a. Bunch. I was like, and it had like a Baby's Day Out and Bushwhacked and a couple of other ones. I'm like, let's watch Baby's Day Out, and they loved it. So we're definitely going back to that one. Um, I want to talk about Blown Away, <laughs> which I should have got you to watch because it's amazing. Um, have you ever seen Blown Away? Uh, I don't know. I, Did you ever watch Channel keep... Nine in the '90s? Because then you've watched Blown Away. <laughs> I keep getting confused with Broken Arrow for some reason. No, Blown Away is, is uh, Jeff, Jeff Daniels. No, Bridges. Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges, yes. and Tommy Lee Jones, um, with like maybe the best, maybe the worst Irish accent you've ever heard. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> depends oh. what you think about it. Um, he does sound like a bit of a leprechaun um, through this movie. Uh, if you want, <laughs> so Jeff Bridges is a bomb disposal expert in Boston, and man, all I needed to do was maybe add some uh, Dropkick Murphys to this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's just the quintessential Boston movie. Um, there is even a, there's even a letterbox comment that says at least the Dropkick Murphys wasn't <laughs> went in, <laughs> which I found very very funny. <laughs> um, so uh, blown, uh, so he's um, he's a bomb disposal expert. Uh, he uh, and we find out he's got a bit of a uh, a, a secret past. He used to um, be in the IRA. In um, back in Ireland and uh, escaped it because um, to him and Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones' character used to be friends. Um, Tommy Lee Jones' character wanted to bomb a marketplace, and Jeff Bridges' character uh, stops it. And then Tommy Lee Jones goes to jail, and then Jeff Bridges go to, goes to America and, and as like a secret identity. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones gets out of jail uh, in explosive fashion, if you get my joke. Um, uh, and he. It, uh, and he 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 gets he gets to Boston and he basically just starts uh, bombing um, the friends and family of uh, of Jeff Bridges. Uh, Jeff Bridges in this he's in another movie too called Arlington Road, which is about bombs as well. And in both both movies, he's got these bits where he's slow motion running towards the camera, but his face kind of looks like he's happy. <laughs> Like Jeff Bridges has got a weird face, and I'm, I don't mean that meanly. I'm just saying that he he emotes like 
uh, a drunk person who's been awoken by something and is just like, what? <laughs> he's just Run very, away. He's very surprised. He goes from very sleepy to very surprised in a very short amount of time. Um, we've got Forrest Whitaker in here as the new upstart uh, bomb disposal expert. Um, nice. I somehow I somehow think that um, there's a there's a character based on him, and I think he actually does this, the 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 voice for on American Dad. And I'm pretty sure like most of the mannerisms are from his character in this movie. <laughs> He's just like a bit of a dick. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, and it basically just um, sort of escalates from there. Uh, Tommy Jones. Um, he he goes to a marketplace, and he's buy, he's he's really into toys, like children's toys. That's how he sort of like um you know it's his bomb. Like he sort of in, in, like puts puts a lot of children's toys into it, and like it's it's like those Rube Goldberg devices. But he buys this this toy from this marketplace, and this woman goes like, "Here's that he's Irish." She's like, "Oh, you should have this cassette from you too." He's like, "He's like you who?" <laughs> She's like, "You too." They're they're, they're a big band. He's like, "Ah." And he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll go listen to him. And then we have, for the rest of the movie, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones in broken Irish singing along to U2, U2 songs. And it's fucking no. amazing. <laughs> With or without you. Um, oh, there was another one too. And it's just, I, I don't even know. Like, can you imagine the Blown Away producers going to U2 and saying, hey, we want to use your music for this movie. It's about an Irish guy who bombs stuff in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I feel like they didn't tell them that bit. <laughs> They're like, hey, we're making a movie with Tommy Lee Jones. Can we use some of your songs? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, what's it called? Um, uh, sorry, breaking up. I can't. Swap this <laughs> sorry, I'm about to go through a tunnel. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, but blow. <laughs> it's called blow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's look. It is. We watched this. I can. We watched this on a Saturday afternoon. We had a. Uh, we had a cup of coffee. We had some uh, snacks on the couch. Me and Mal watched it, and it's just. It's perfect Saturday afternoon viewing. Loved um, it. I know what you're gonna say, but did they use the Pixie song "Blown Away"? No, they did not. Unfortunately, they did not. That's they're not Irish. <laughs> they're from Boston, though. That's the same yeah. thing. Um, I watched The Shadow. That's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> Alec, Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. Um I would say if you if you could just watch the opening ten minutes for some of the worst CGI in the nineties that you'll ever ever see. Um, uh, it's, CGI is getting pretty good now. Like, well, yeah, but then we're starting to see it more and more. It's not bad. Yeah, but then like you'll have movies like this, which is like a huge production. It's a big, big production, and it is bad. And I don't understand where like some movies are like, oh yeah, like we'll um we'll put everything into it, and the other movies it's like probably Alec Baldwin's like um uh wage got into it. It's like oh we could either make the CGI oh, look yeah. good or we can get Alec Baldwin. It's like uh... he also he's got some primo wig going on in this movie too. Uh, oh Alec, I did watch Forrest Gump. I did also read a couple of articles about how bad our Forrest Gump is. <laughs> um. There's a lot of whitewashing. There's a lot of like, apparently it's um, held up by conservative and Republican parties as like the perfect movie because like it's this white guy sort of stumbling into riches and stumbling into everything. It's like it's it's come it's become sort of a beacon for the conservative um, family values sort of set. Um, mm. Basically, everything that Jenny does in the movie is demonized. Like you know, she becomes um, 
a stripper, like she does drugs, like she eventually dies. I think the, I don't know whether that's ever underlined, but she, she does die of AIDS. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So, it's but, funny. I randomly had uh, in my little Google feed an article came up for Tom Hanks, like an interview. Yeah. Where someone had asked him about Forrest Gump and his role in it. And from what I was reading in the interview, he just glanced over that entirely. He didn't want to answer it and just related to Philadelphia. He said at the time, you couldn't have a gay man playing that part because no one would watch it. Everyone was too scared. It was too real. A straight man could. Nowadays, you would definitely have a gay person playing that part. You would have to, and rightly so. Yeah. But he didn't want to speak the same of Forrest Gump. And I don't know why. I think because um, a lot of, especially especially like left-leaning interviewers these days might sort of go like it's it's kind of a minefield like i mean the, the, at the start of the movie like he, he admits that he was named after like the the founder of the ku klux klan like that's <laughs> that's what forrest gump's like named after and it's like it sort of goes from then um like he's he's sort of like he's not outwardly obviously racist but he's also like he just doesn't sort of click that it's going on around him um i believe it's sort of like maybe like uh it kind of has he has kind of has blinders onto the world, um, obviously for his case because of like a you know intellectual sort of disability. But like, I think Which a lot of never would... really. I mean, you don't have to come out and say what it is, but no. I feel like looking back at it now as a '90s film, they didn't know. They just thought, let's have this character who's dim-witted. We won't say what's wrong with him. We don't know what's wrong with him, but he's not quote unquote normal. But having said all that. I watched it and I can't help but get emotional watching this movie. I don't know what it is. Um, I think for me, watching a kid like at the start being bullied and also being bullied because he's got like a problem with his legs, maybe like that's got something like I've got like a personal mm-hmm. connection to that. But like, I find this movie like it's maybe I just, it's like Zemeckis and Hollywood just worked on me for this one. Like, maybe I can just like completely turn on my blinders to this and go, like, it's just a movie. Like, I like it. It's a stupid, funny, kooky thing where he somehow stumbles onto, like, every historical event in the in the, in the 20th century. Um, but, like, reading the articles afterwards, I'm like, I can totally see how people would not like this and think it's terrible. But I think it's, for me, it's just a movie that always resounded with me. And I'm, I'm never going to put it in my top 10, top 20, even top 50. But, like, it's just a movie that... I know, I've got like a bit of a, some sort of connection with. And you can't turn off that heartfelt, yeah. you know, when, so with Ace Ventura, like we loved that as a kid, it was hilarious. And now you go, this is troubling. This is problematic. Yeah. Forrest Gump still has its problems, but there's a different emotion involved that you can't just completely. Yeah. I don't know whether they're, I don't know whether their inconsistencies and, and um, that sort of stuff is done for. I don't know whether they were doing it consciously or just like they just didn't think about it. Whereas with Ace Ventura, it's a conscious decision to make those jokes about that thing. It's like that's that's mean. That's that's, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on from that. Let's go and um, look. I want you to talk about North because funny story. I got it from the library. I was all ready to watch it. <gasps> got, well, no, no, I got all ready to watch it yesterday. Oh. I started watching it and 20 minutes in, it skipped and I couldn't watch it. Ah, no. Yeah, so I... And this is the thing. This movie has (sighs) been long 
regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. And I still don't know why, because I think in the first 20 minutes, it's actually not that bad. Either do I. I, I liked this film as a child. Yeah. I, I even, I didn't dislike it or like it anymore when I watched it recently. Well, it's all about a boy who's basically divorcing his parents and looking for new parents, yeah? Yeah, so um, North, played by Elijah Wood, is just the smartest, greatest kid in existence. He's amazing at everything. He can't do anything wrong. Yeah. He's, he's the perfect child. His parents, Seinfeld's, Anne's <laughs> Anna Lane. How insane is that? <laughs> it's so weird. The, okay, firstly, the cast in this film is ridiculous. Yes. Alan Arkin is the judge. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and Reeve McIntyre are one of the parents. John Ritter's in it. Scarlett Johansson is in it. Yeah. Um, Rob Reiner just basically went up... through his file at X and just went, uh, can you all be in this movie? It's like, yes, we can. Yeah. Um, there's more that I'm missing, but there's... Oh, the bad guy from Die Hard is one of the Amish people. <laughs> um, it's, it's a ridiculous cast. Yeah. And I think that's probably partly what angered people as well. You've got all these amazing people not really doing much. What is the point of this? But what is the point of any film? Like... Yeah. Calm down. Um, I'm going to read out, firstly, Roger Ebert's famous review of it. Oh, man. Yeah, this is You've, this is you've heard about this. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because this guy's <laughs> a dipshit. But th- this is how he ends his review. Okay. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant audience and salty moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. Jesus Christ. Like, that's... <laughs> and I think that's, that's where... It, I think the, the mythology of, like, how bad this movie is sort of stems from that. Like, a lot of people probably haven't even seen the movie, but, like, adopted that as... The, um, yeah. the main annoyance I could understand uh, as a grown-up... Spoiler, this is quite a big spoiler. If you do want to watch the film... Skip yeah. ahead a bit. The whole thing is a dream. Yes. Yeah. So you have to skip along quite a lot if you don't want to know about this. But I mean, <laughs> you're not going to watch it. It's really hard to find. But the if thing is, too, library, is that, apparently um, it skips. Yeah. So I, I I went on to Wikipedia and then sort of just read through it and just um like from what I've heard that like a lot of people don't like the performance of uh north of as Elijah would like sometimes he gets a little bit too British but it's like he's like a kid that's looking for new parents. Like I don't know whether like and like you you meet his parents at the start, you see what's who's who's caused this. Like they're they're terrible parents. Their kids having like a literal panic attack at the table, which I you know what? His his take on a panic attack is so real. <laughs> yeah. That is like a really good performance. He's just like he's he's gasping for air and it's like yeah. And again, anything you pick on this film about, so even in Roger Ebert's review and Letterboxd reviews and people going about the realism of it and how he acts and what he does, it's a dream. Yeah. So anytime he's being weird or kooky, like the the villain kid, um, it's really funny that the bad guy who's his child is like a baby version of a character in Angels in the Outfield. It's very, very funny. <laughs> it's a big thing in the 90s to have like a kid with glasses who's not the nerdy annoying one but he's kind of like evil a little bit <laughs> it's mommy exactly um, he said mama want glasses mommy i want to be a bad guy 
if only it was a choice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can't get mad at how things unfold because this is a child's dream. Like, he's dreaming yeah. up all of this stuff. And I was confused initially when Bruce Willis keeps coming back in. I was like, how does this work? I don't remember. How does this keep on working? Yeah, yeah. And then the more Bruce Willis is in it, like, he does kind of hint at, like, yeah, I know you know who I am. I know who you are. At every scene, every he keeps playing different characters throughout. Like, every time North goes to a new family, Bruce Willis shows up in some shape or form with wise words. I feel like Bruce Willis is constantly smirking at himself. He's like, fuck, I'm good at this. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. I'm playing a different character yes, now. It's Bruce Willis, apparently. That's what he does. He's like, I'm so good at this. Yeah. And then at some and, point, and he, he is like, stops being good. It, he is somewhat endearing in the film. Like I do like him. It's the, it needs that character. In we it. have like, we have been we have bore witness to the uh, evolution of Bruce Willis by like you know Death Becomes Her. We both agreed that like maybe he doesn't need an action movie as his platform. Maybe he's like a decent comedy drama performer. Um, like and he does more and more of that stuff throughout the nineties. Uh, I think I I still find like a lot of his. Like even like even to a point, it's a horrible movie. But like Hudson Hawk, um, mm. which was only the, the only reason it sort of sucked even more is because they let him let Bruce Willis like write some of it. <laughs> don't 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 do that. Um, but like yeah, I think he's he's definitely not given the props that he should sometimes for being like a decent comedic performer. Yeah, and like he's not funny in this, but he helps out. A lot because Elijah Wood can't carry all of this because it is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, John Lovitz is ridiculous because that's what John Lovitz does, but he is somewhat funny. <laughs> Hello, do you weirdest, want to be ridiculous? The weirdest thing about it and all the reviews and stuff I'd look up about it, no one complains about the stereotyping it does. So, American yeah. culture, you don't get too mad about. They make fun of Texans. Yeah. Um, New York, they don't really tease. Does he they go, go to Amish country? Yeah. But he, they go there for like two minutes. He gets there. He sees it. He's like, hang on, I forgot something in the plane. And then they just leave because yep. no one was... Like, that, that's kind of cruel. Um, they go to Alaska and... <laughs> Do I need to say any... Oh, no. it's... um, Is it... Oh, it's Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Um... As an Inuit woman. Yes, I uh, yes. forgot that the dad and the grandpa is from Adam's family, I think. I can't remember okay, his name. Yep. Oh, um, but yes. Yeah, another one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the cast is ridiculous, but they drive up, there's like little huts, like little igloos, and it's got like an automatic roller door, and they just live in these little ice houses with a fire going. And... <laughs> so, so, North Dream's racist. <laughs> Yeah, basically, because that's what society was at the time. And then he goes to yeah. um, China, and they want to shave his head and leave a ponytail, and he freaks out and leaves. He goes to France, and they're just smoking, watching Jerry Lee Lewis films, laughing. <laughs> I don't know if that one's mean. It's like Rob Reiner's just like, he's just going to book, book of stereotypes. And he's like, basically, oh, uh, Hawaii as well. It's, oh, the worst one, surely, by far. He goes to Africa. Oh, no. He can't stay there because he would never get anything done because he's only going to stare at his mum's boobs the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's in the scene. He's literally... So 
her back is to the camera. Yeah. Uh, he's just standing there, just glaring at her chest. He's like, I don't think this will work out. I don't think I'll get a lot of homework done. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's he's 12, I think, 11 or 12. <sighs> okay. Um, now, other than that, like, st- it's a decent to, film. I like to, it. Start to side with Roger. <laughs> I didn't see Roger mention any of those things. All yeah. he complained about was how the movie felt. Rob Reiner's <laughs> Roger's actually like, down. oh, you know, I've done the mum tip part, but that's fine. But, you know, whatever, everything else is like, you know. Culturally accurate film. Everything else, garbage. <laughs> um, oh, man, there's so much to get through. Uh, let's do... Uh, let's quickly do The Mask. Um, I did not hate this as much as I thought I was going to. I genuinely laughed yeah. a few times. Um, I really like the bad guy in this. I forgot how much I like him in this. Um, oh, I hate him. Really? He's, he's I guess because you're the... supposed... I know you're supposed to hate him, but I hate him beyond the level of you're supposed to hate him. I feel like he's annoying and just terrible. I Such a I cheesy know. 90s bad guy. Yeah, I know, but he was in a lot of movies around this time. Peter Green is his name. And I don't know, I, I found him like um, not too bad. Um, look... I think because I was in love with Cameron Diaz as a child, I was like, you're mean, get away from her. <laughs> Well, apparently, so the word is that they 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 were looking. They, they did four uh, four hundred auditions for her part, and they were going to go for someone else. And then she walked as they, as they were walking out of like a modeling agency. She was walking in. And they're like, uh, "Do you want to be in the movie?" And she said, "Yes." And this is her first acting role. Um, That's very gross and Michael Bay, Megan Fox. Yeah, and it's but like you know, uh, she holds her own as like an actress or actor, like um, uh, like being the first part in a pretty huge movie. But I mean, it was a huge yeah. because Jim Carrey, like he like Ace Ventura came out, so I, I suppose like that was still pretty big. I mean, he has three movies out in this this one year. Um, this Insane. one's he only got that, half a million dollars for this. But the weirdest thing, yeah, well, the weirdest thing about this is that. All superhero movies seem at this time seem to be in like this like weird alternate dimension. Like it's called is it's Edge City is where it's based, Ugh. and it's like it's there's all like um it kind of looks like uh the eighty nine Gotham from Tim Burton. It's all it's it's a cross of Batman and Roger Rabbit the whole way through. Yes, yes, yes. That's a really really good um if you put those things together. Um, apparently the no, it's not really good. What? Is making the connection that all the men are being edged by women throughout this entire film. Oh man! All of them, every man, when they see a woman, they're like, "Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, almost, almost." <laughs> it's gross. Um, it's horrible. There is a okay, like so. I've I found like three funny people <laughs> that I was like, I mean, it's not as bad as Ace Ventura, um, but I do like one of my favorite bits is when he first turns into the mask and he has to be quiet in the hallway to go past his landlord. Um, just the way that he. He's doing the 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 quiet walk. <laughs> always makes yeah. me fucking laugh. Um, and also the 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 police search. I always love that. Um, when they're taking stuff out of his pockets. Yeah, he's like there's a bazooka, and he's yeah. like, I got a permit for that. <laughs> um, I laughed a couple of times. There was a couple of snickers, but it's just so over the top. Yeah, that so it doesn't the, do it for me anymore. The worst parts of when like they just sort of like the and like the worst parts is like the smoking and like you know somebody stopped me. Like it's just. It, it, they just let him go, and maybe you shouldn't interrupt him. In um, apparently the is it Coco Pete? Um, that bit was going to be scrapped, but now it's like one of the um, biggest part of the movie. Yeah. It's like uh, it's it, it's a, it's still pretty funny. Um, just the uh, 
the dance moves from all the cops in that pit too is amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Did like you it's... notice the the Casey Jones look alike when he's in the alleyway and those thugs come after him? Oh yes. Oh, that's the <laughs> other funny bit. That was the other funny bit when he does when he's doing the balloon animals. Um, was that a condom? <laughs> yes, that's, and that was him. Apparently, he he stuck a condom in his pocket and like it was an ad lib by him. It's like wrong pocket. <laughs> um, getting back to we mentioned CGI. The CGI in this is reasonably good. Yes. Um, and apparently that saves a lot of money because Jim Carrey's body is so weird that they didn't have to do as much. <laughs> they the said, yeah, we don't, he's, like, he's like an elastic boy, so we can just do whatever we want. The one thing they lacked where they should have used CGI is when he does that cartoon-esque, like, ready to run out of shot, and, like, he lifts his arms and he, like, goes to sprint. Yes. He doesn't leave the screen quick enough. Like, you see him, like, try and quickly get out of the way. It's like, oh, it looks so bad. Yeah. It looks terrible. Like, he should just disappear. I wonder if this will ever get remade. Like, I don't know whether you could ever remake this because Jim Carrey's kind of come out and said like he's not probably going to do many more movies. Um, but I don't know whether like I know that they've done Son of the Mask, and I think they might have done one other thing. But this seems like something that you could maybe darken up a bit. I think the comics are a lot darker that it's based mm. on. Um, but I don't know. Like then also sort of if it gets too dark, it might just get real gross. <laughs> Can it get uh, any grosser than this? like okay like on a scale of movies this is definitely above ace ventura but it's not yeah. it's not that much um but you've got i mean not to you know play on be a broken record but you've got one woman oh, oh, yeah. oh there's two women in the film actually one sells him out that's pretty funny i um, see i had a false memory that they those, those two sort of got together at some point i'm like oh no nah, i completely forgot the ending of this movie yeah, I couldn't initially remember, like, what was her deal? Where does this go? She's yeah. really into him. She likes her condo. She was, she was smart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's mostly Cameron Diaz and everyone just drooling over her. Yeah. yeah. Especially, yeah. Oh, uh, for any Rick and Morty fans, <laughs> little bits. Okay. <laughs> the guy that runs the bank. In Rick and Morty, there's this, uh, I think it's one of the ad-lib episodes, um, where they do an advertisement for this restaurant yeah. and everyone's got these giant faces and tiny features and like their eyes, nose and lips were just in the middle of their giant round heads <laughs> and they just constantly go, little bits. Um, and that's what the guy who runs the bank looks like. You know, he's the dad in, he's, he's the dad in Body Snatchers. The dad of who? What? The dad of the kid and the, the dad that moves the, the no. Body Snatchers. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's also in Heat. No, he um sleepers. He's the he's the he's one of the um the, the bad guys on sleepers. Oh, yeah, I can see him being a bad guy for sure. <laughs> um, one last thing about this because you know films, you never remember how they start. Yep. What are they doing in the water? <laughs> like they're it's clearly a... like pipes and stuff, but then why do they decide to cut open a random box? It's not oh, in the way. It's so weird. Like the the. It annoyed me that they probably spent like a day on that. Just like, how is he going to get the mask? We'll have some divers just randomly, openly shit underwater. Well, there's apparently a deleted scene where they're supposed to be like hunting for ancient stuff. Well, that's the, like, and that's the thing. Like, why they cut that stuff out and then not cut, you know, cut down Cuban Pete <laughs> for like yeah. 30 seconds? I don't know. Um, look, before we get, I want to talk, no. we want to talk, I want to talk about True Lies. Um, I'm just going to quickly go on a couple of movies that you didn't see that I saw. Um, firstly, it could happen to you. 
my lord, what a wholesome, joyous movie. <laughs> it is so good. Nicolas Cage is perfect. Rosie Perez is perfect. She's like a bad, the the big bad in this. Um, Bridget Fonda is also perfect. We've got uh, Isaac Hayes in here narrating the entire thing. If you've never seen it, it's about a cop who gets, his wife gets him to get a lottery ticket. And then he goes to a uh, a cafe and buys some breakfast and they have to leave really quickly. Bridget Fonda's the waitress that is serving them. He wants to leave her a tip, but he hasn't got any money. So he said, look, if I win the lottery tomorrow, I'll give you half what I win. And she Idiot. thinks it's... And she thinks, like, you know, that's not going to happen. They end up winning. They don't win. the. It's a $60 million jackpot, but then a bunch of other people win at, like, have the same numbers. And then... And also the fact that um, Nicolas Cage changes one number because Rosie Perez says, put our wedding anniversary. And it's that whole big thing of... They got married on one day, but they actually went and, like, went to the office to, like make it official the next day. So instead of the 27th, he puts the 26th because that's their actual wedding day. Um, So they win the money and then he says to her, (laughs) one of the best pieces of Nicolas Cage acting is Rosie Perez running around the room saying what she's going to spend all the money on and he's just got this pained expression. He's like, I got to tell you something. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Thank you. It's just, he's got... And he's like he's like this this nice guy that just does so much for people. And then um, when the, they get the money, him and Bridget Fonda start falling in love. It's one of the best. Uh, like they, there's, they're they're a really, really good looking couple. Does Rosie right? leave him immediately? Not immediately. No, she she hooks up with this um, stockbroker dude at this because they they do a lot of um, uh, celebrations for people who had won the money and then she meets him on this cruise which Nicolas Cage um, doesn't go on because he, he, he's off um, on a date with Bridget Fonda that Rosie Perez doesn't know about and then they it sounds grossly a... inappropriate <laughs> yeah well that's the thing like it does walk the line of but like Rosie Perez is like really really mean to him <laughs> so I don't know like I can understand um, yeah and like to, to be fair like they never do anything like physical um, until after, like, him and Rose Perez are definitely split up. So, like, it's not, you know, there's no cheating per se. As if it's emotional, yeah, it still counts. Um, but they got this, yeah, and it, it all works out in the end, as, as you would know, but it's it's a really, really good movie. I watched it um, in the morning, and it was like, I cried a couple of times. <laughs> it was really, really decent. Um, just before we get on to our last one, uh, The Client... So we we were gifted from the gods, from the movie gods, with two Tommy Lee Jones films in one month. <laughs> and my lord, in the client, it's just like they said, Tommy, you just be Tommy in this, and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just he's so That's he what plays he was gonna do anyway. So um, the client is all about if you've never seen it before, it's a really really good. Um, it's not even a court. I mean, I'd say it's a courtroom drama, but um, not a lot of st- stuff happens actually in the courtroom. Um, is this when everyone started saying I plead the fifth? Yes. Yes. Because a 11-year-old boy uh, witnesses a uh, lawyer um, kill himself. Um, but before he kills himself, um, the lawyer tells the kid where he's where his client, um, played by Anthony LaPaglia, um, uh, has murdered a congressman and and buried his and and stored his body. Oh. And then uh, you think that. Uh, Tommy Jones is going to be like, you know, another bad guy, but he's he's not 
he's not a bad guy. He's sort of like morally bankrupt. Bankrupt. He's he's a, a U.S. attorney who he's very famous for winning courtroom battles, and he's he's he's, he's he loves doing press conferences and like he's he's quite like um out there with the press. He wants the boy to tell them so they can pursue their case against like this this mob um, about where the body is, but. Obviously, the kid is eleven years old. He's scared, and he uh, ends up getting um, defended by Susan Sarandon, who uh, has just got her um, has, has just become a lawyer. She had she had drug drug and alcohol abuse problems um, for a while, and uh, the boy initially doesn't trust her because he comes from like a family where there's like a lot of alcohol abuse, and they're they're, they're kind of poor. They live in a trailer home, um, and uh, but it's it's just like a really good movie. Like it's like I mean. I think a lot of people <laughs> these days like it's it's a bit schmaltzy in some places, but is it Susan Stranded not amazing though? She's amazing. Tony Jones is amazing. Yeah. Um it's just a really, really decent like thriller that will keep like I mean, for two hours I was I was not bored. Um but Tony Jones is just <laughs> It's just I amazing. I feel it. like have we mentioned that kid before? Because he unfortunately uh Died of a drug overdose in two thousand eight. He did. Um, another victim of early fame. But I feel like did we speak about him already? Uh, no, this I, is his first film. Yeah, he was that. actually because John Grisham, who um, wrote the the novel, um, and had so much pull in the nineties, like John Grisham movies, like he did The Firm, um, lots of stuff. So he said he didn't want a known actor to play the kid. Um, so Brad Renfro plays Mark Sway, like the the kid that's, that witnesses the suicide. Um, and he actually beat out like people like Macaulay Culkin and so like, I mean, I couldn't imagine Macaulay Culkin in this, in this role. He would just be too no. uh, out there sort of thing. Um, After getting even with that as well. No thanks. <laughs> but you've got JT Walsh in this. You've got Anthony Edwards from ER. He plays Citizen Surround. Nice. Like, oh man, he's amazing in it. Um, we've got Will Patton, um, who recently popped up in the um, the new Halloween films. Bradley Whitford's in this, playing the same person he played in every single '90s movie, just like a sniveling like office dude. <laughs> he plays an attorney. Um, he's he plays he's he's part of that whole big thing where Brad Renfro says, "I plead the fifth because they get him on the stand. They they finally got him on the stand. They say like, you know, you have to answer these questions, and, they, and he's like, oh, like, but I don't have to." And uh, oh, the guy from um, uh, Billy Madison and such. Yeah, yeah. Um, and get out. Uh, Brett Anthony Hilds Hilds in it too. He's, He's like Anthony Hilds, the um, the guy who uh, runs the psychiatric hospital for Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs. Um. Uh, but yeah, he's like he's saying like you have to tell us, and then he's like, no, nah, I plead the fifth um, on the basis that like it could harm myself and my family, and like yeah, from then everyone started to go, oh, we can plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. <laughs> um, yeah, William H. Macy's in this because he's in every movie of the 90s. Oh. Um, he plays the Doctor. Um, we got... Uh, it's just like, it's a who's who, really. It's just so good. It's funny looking back at them now because now we look at it and you say it's a who's who, but at the time, a lot of these people weren't that big. No, it's like, it would be like a... Like, oh, I don't know that, but like, yeah, in a few years' time. You just want to, you want to sometimes reach into the screen and go... It's okay, buddy. You won't be doing bit parts forever. It's coming. It's, <laughs> it's coming. coming. It's coming, man. Um, uh, before we get onto the big one, I just yeah. want to try and quickly um, fly through the outfield with angels. Oh, cool. Yes. Angels in the outfield. I could not find this anywhere. 
I uh, I found it somewhere. <laughs> um, back, of, back, of, back of back of the back of the bookcase. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I probably did own this at one point. I even I went on the website Just Watch that tells you where you can watch things, and I went through every other country. Uh, America, it's available on many streaming services. I mean, but, can you imagine if they took Angel of the Outfield out off of streaming services in America? There'd be outcry. <laughs> rightly so. Um, also, uh, strangely, the California Angels, mm. who used to be the Los Angeles Angels and then became the Anaheim Angels. <laughs> yes. And then I think they were the California Angels again before they became the LA Angels again. <laughs> I don't know. A weird, pointless journey. <laughs> anyway, to the film. Uh, Pigeon Lady from Home Alone 2. <laughs> yes. Yes, she's the foster mum. Is, is she Irish in this or has she got an American accent? I'm pretty sure she's Irish. She doesn't say a lot, but just her whole the pi- tone she is let the pigeons, the, the pigeons do the talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's actually delightful. She should have been in more things. Um, she's just very motherly and sweet. And I hope she actually does fostering because she'd be great. Um, so she is taking care of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Little yes. baby chubby face Joseph Gordon Levitt, along with two other kids. Uh, one of them's quite mean. One of them, little JP, is very sweet and funny. Uh, so they're big baseball fans, not as big as um, Little Big League, but you know they like the baseball. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's dad. Rank the uh, kids' baseball oh. movies at the end of this year. <laughs> oh man, I should just the baseball movies in general. There's been so many. Yeah, sports. We do a sports film. Bonus. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just took it more on. Heaven. Uh, so Grant Mulnery, Mulnery, Mulnery. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff lately. Usually plays the same seedy guy that can't grow a beard. I feel like he was early nineties Keanu Reeves. Uh, oh, Demi Keanu Reeves. Demi Moroni. That's the one. Demi Moroni. Yeah, Demi Moroni. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's the deadbeat dad that doesn't want to take care of his son because he'd rather ride around on his motorbike. He's like uh, cool. Um, he's like cool, cool Hugh Jackman. Yeah, <laughs> sexy Hugh Jackman, dirty sexy. <laughs> so uh, Joseph's like, Dad, when are you gonna come back and be my dad? He's like, I don't know when the Angels win the pennant. <laughs> so which is a big thing, and like, no one cared about the World Series, like. Don't aim for the World Series. You're not going to win the World Series. But if you can win the pennant, you know, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm just sorry. I don't that. I'm going through the cast list here. Oh my god! Like Adrian Brody's in this. Yep. Uh, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey's in this. Tony Danza. Oh, <laughs> hold me Glover. closer. Hold me closer. <laughs> um, oh, uh, oh, we're going to get to hold me closer. Okay, keep going. Give me keep a minute. Going. Keep going. So. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes and prays to the gods that the angels are independent so that he can be with his dad. Yep. Uh, angels start appearing. Christopher Lloyd is the lead angel. Nice. Uh, so it's a baseball jo- <laughs> He's he's actually really good in this. Um, I quite like him. I like how you like, don't pop- don't downplay him to Doc. He's yeah. actually really good in this movie. No, he, just- he pops up every now and then. Um, so he doesn't really get involved. He just like comes out and hangs out a little bit. Tells Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Don't tell anyone about the angels like that it's happening. That'll ruin it. Um, immediately, Joseph Gordon-Levitt tells his best friend JP. Uh, he JP wins uh, a photo with the manager Danny Glover, uh, and then 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt tells him straight away that there's angels, <laughs> and that's why they're one. Uh, I think those are the only people he tells, because then Christopher Lloyd comes back, he's like, stop fucking telling people, or we're not going to help you. Knock it off. We're just going to haunt you for the rest of your days. Uh, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets a signal with Danny Glover. He like sits in the like primo seats next to the dugout, and he gives him this little signal every time there's an angel. He's like, uh, Tony Danza hasn't pitched all year. He's blew his arm out. He can't pitch anymore. It's like, there's an angel with him. Like, he can do it. So they put him in against all odds. He pitches a perfect game. Nice. Oh, meanwhile, the smarmy guy with glasses has to run and get them food and drink every time that Joseph Gordon-Levitt wants to give the angel signal. Nice. And he ends up, by the end of the film, he's wearing full waterproof outfit because they keep spilling food on him. Like, oh, Taylor Negron. I know yeah, him. Yeah, they'll like they'll squirt mustard on him like, oh, you better go get cleaned up and go get me another hot dog. Right, yeah. He's wearing okay. like a beekeeper hat at one point. He's... It's... Kind of unsung, unsung character actor of the nineties. He is amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. He's quite. He's not annoyingly smart. Like he, he, yeah. He plays it perfectly. So the angels carry on winning in Seinfeld. He's the one that um, Elaine goes to to get the smell out of her hair after the the smelly car. If you I don't know, no, I don't remember that at all. Okay, cool. All right, go. Are we mm. up to that yet? Yeah. Oh, um. So the angels keep helping the angels win. Uh, eventually, uh, what is it? Joseph Gordon-Levitt has to go to a court case or something about his dad who doesn't want to see him and walks out on him. It's quite sad. Uh, yeah. The Angels lose that game. Uh, they needed to win to win the pennant. It wasn't over yet, though. Uh, <laughs> and then he comes back. JP is told a news reporter, <laughs> oh, there's also <laughs> a bad guy. So... The nice thing, this is taking too long. The nice thing about this film is there's not really a villain. Okay. There's nothing really against him. There's just the commentator who who hates the angels, even though he's like he's their lead commentator and journalist. Okay. Um, he's just against them. He's like the Cleveland owner in Major League. Just oh, wants cool. them to yeah. do bad because he yeah. hates them. Uh, so he gets wind of this angel story, tells everyone about it. Um, they threaten to fire Danny Glover because he believes in angels. Uh, and then they make some reference to if a football player kneels and thanks God after a touchdown, we don't tease him or fire him. Why can't we believe in angels in the outfield? Which I do they believe say- they also they say it a couple of times, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, they say it very early on too. Nice. A classic thing in the 90s, you got to say the title. Where else does the title come from if someone doesn't say it? I oh, mean, do you know many times they say the client in the client? <laughs> ah, it's like naming a song. What should we call this song? Whatever we said the most in it. <laughs> What's the song's catchphrase? Um, so Danny Glover becomes like, oh, sorry, favorite part in this film. I glossed over when he's doing the photo with the kids at the start. Yeah, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt first tells him there's angels like helping the players win. Danny Glover walks away and he goes, "Great, a psycho kid." <laughs> Because apparently he hates kids and he calls him a psycho. It's like, um, it's, that's, it's just Danny Glover. that's just Danny Glover. That's not even him acting. It's just him on the screen. It's just like, yeah, that was uh, psycho kid. That was supposed to be an outtake. <laughs> they kept it in. Uh, so, where are we? Uh, they've got one more game to win, to win the pennant. And Christopher Lloyd comes back. He's like, I can't help you. Um, we can't, Angels can't interfere in championships. 
I, oh, I can help, help you win every single other game. The championships have to be won on their own. I don't own. know whether these are hard and fast angel rules. Yeah, I, I don't know. Also, the angels don't seem to be anyone. Like, there's a good cast amongst the team. Yeah. And the angels, there's a few that pop up. You don't really see who they are. I don't think there's any good cameos Is in Is it there, possible certainly. that the angels are the ball players from Field Dreams? Oh. Mm. No, because some of them are definitely be, not ball players. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Is there a sequel um, where they have to battle demons in the outfield as well? <laughs> the Da Vinci Code of Baseball. <laughs> um, so they win the championship game because Joseph Gordon-Levitt lies. Well, I think it's Danny Glover's idea to lie to him. They lie to Tony Danza uh, that there's an angel with him. <laughs> so that he can get this one last pitch like, and win the game. You mean it was me all along? Yeah, Tony, it was you. Oh, I forgot the crying bit. So <laughs> I can't remember where in the film this happens. I think it's before he starts pitching. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lloyd comes down and tells Joseph Gordon Levitt that Tony Danza over there, he'll be one of us soon. <laughs> oh my God. And he's God. like, what? He's like, oh yeah, he smoked all his life, he had it coming. He'll be with us in six months. Oh, my God. And he's still playing professional baseball. Good on him. Well, he's, he's got no idea. And every now and then you see him like have a little cough, and you're like, oh, no, it's beginning. Horrible, horrible thing to tell an 11-year-old child. Your hero, that's standing right over there, that is currently living his dream, he'll be dead soon. Um, but it's do fine. See, he'll be with us. Do you see Tony Denzel die? No. Um, Denzel die? It is. <laughs> I've got to admit, I got a little bit emotional here and there because, <laughs> yes, I'm you know I could put it down to like a fatherly figure and a cancer thing, yeah, or yeah. I could say like this is this is really sad. This kid knows that this guy's about to die and he's got no idea, yeah. and he's just one the angels dependent, and soon you'll be dead. He's not going out I, in the movies like I'm gonna do so much in this next year. <laughs> I'm gonna go to <laughs> like just a little goes like no. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going around telling everyone there's angels, but at not one point does he go up to Tony Dan and be like, you're, you're going to die. You should stop, stop, stop smoking. Um, go to Disneyland. You'll be dead soon. I don't know why he doesn't tell him. He tells everyone everything. Six cents him, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another highlight where Danny Glover is playing baseball with all these little kids. Apparently, he likes kids now. <laughs> he goes out and he plays with um, all their little kid friends. Okay. <laughs> there's this one kid called Marvin, and he gets Marvin up to the plate. And Marvin hits the ball. And Marvin's uh, not the brightest <laughs> child, we will say. I'm not, I'm not sure what Martin's, Marvin's deal is. But he hits it. Might have and, a Forrest Gump thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's on first base. And this other kid hits it. And Danny was like, run home, Marvin. Go it. Run home. Run home. And Marvin's like, Marvin, run home. Marvin, run. And Marvin runs literally home. He runs up the street, just going, Marvin, run home. Marvin, run home. And it's hilarious and adorable. And it probably shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, they win the pennant. Danny Glover adopts uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then he's like, no, wait, I can't leave JP. And he's like, I ain't leaving JP. JP's coming too. Um, and then they're a family. And what happened to Pigeon Lady? Oh, she's a foster mum. So she's like... I'll have other children. Off you go. This is my job. <laughs> oh. The end. 
I want I want another thing where Joseph Gordon Levitt just goes walks around telling people the rat to die. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be an angel soon. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, we don't an come back to Tony Danza. We don't come back to his dad. Um, oh my god! It's it's uh, another two films in one month with a shit parents. Although North's parents did come good and they loved him and they brought him dinner into bed at the end of the film. True Lies. Uh, Do we even came need out? to talk about True Lies? Well, okay. My thing is that I've had a long-standing thing that I do not like this movie, and every time I watch oh. it, I, every time I watch it again, I try and like it, and I don't because I hate it. Um, oh. I don't know why I hate it. I think Too it's long. because that. Um, I think. Uh, okay, here's my thing, and I know people are gonna. Um, I was <laughs> once on another podcast, and I did notice the eye roll in the room. Um, okay, so one is if you're gonna make a James Bond movie, like just make a James Bond movie. Or like you know, <laughs> or just like you know, ask ask Cubby Broccoli who owns the the Bond franchise. Can I do it? And if he says if he says no, like okay, cool, I'll just do something else. Don't make a James Bond movie with an actor. Love me some Schwarzenegger. This is not the role for him. There's too much dialogue. There's too much emotion, and he's not good at it. I'm sorry. You know what? He also says sorry about eighty times. Sorry. Um, Did you notice? Yeah, yeah, and it's like he says it a lot. I I don't buy him in this role. Um, Tom Arnold, I I always find this um, like I always find him like one of the best parts of this movie. But let's also say he says bitch a lot. Um, the actual treatment of women in this movie is pretty horrible. Um, they're used mm-hmm. kind of just as plot devices. Everyone goes on about Jamie Lee Curtis's dance. Now let's like, this is and this is the thing that got the eye roll. He she doesn't. <laughs> He's basically getting her to do this, fully knowing that it's like not a nice thing to make his wife, let any woman, let alone his wife, to do. So, that, like you know, he fully knows that she's going to like strip for him and lots of stuff. He doesn't deeply say, traumatizing for her. Yeah, he doesn't injury. say why. Like, it, and and also, like it's just it like that whole scene is icky to me now. Like I know back in the nineties, I probably like probably watched this, and other people watched it and said like. Oh, it's the scene where she does this, and it's like, and I know even Jamie Lee Curtis has no problem with that. I know that she sort of owns it, and that's fine. I find the whole thing a little bit icky. Just like, um, even when they they kidnap her and she's in that room and he's in the um, the double sided mirror. Also, no matter any sort of voice modulation you put on Arnold Schwarzenegger, we know it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> <laughs> and especially Tom Arnold jumping in. Yeah, not doing um, even bad, is he? <laughs> yeah, I um. I find watching it even more like this last week. Um, I don't like this movie. I don't think it's particularly smart or fun. I find James Cameron movies like I look. I like me some Terminator, and I like me some um, no, you know what? Just Terminator. I like me some <laughs> no, and I also like like me some Aliens. But I think he just the, the the reins weren't pulled in, and I think it was just it's just a I don't know. It's a bit self-indulgent and just, I don't know. I, I just never liked it and I, I, I still don't. I'm sorry. I, a lot of it, I think, for me, comes down to being too long. There's the main plot. I will, I'll give it credit. The main boring plot of the terrorist is not the main plot. The main plot becomes him stalking his wife uh, and Let's also not overlook the fact that, like, that, that it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a pretty supremely racist movie too, like in regards to the terrorists. Yeah. So I know a lot of 
actually, I feel like anyone that listens to this wouldn't be mad at us for being, uh, you know, what they call too woke. Yeah. Because you'd be too enraged at listening to us going about it every week. But for anyone that doesn't understand, and mum, if you're listening, uh, I'll, I'll tell you again this afternoon if you're not. So the issue here is you've got a non-English speaking, non-white male as the bad guy. Yeah. And at the time, this was a stereotype and... People say, but that's what it was actually like. These people were terrorists. But you don't have a counterpoint for that. So growing up, all you saw non-English, non-white people as villains. Because if you get a film where the Russian's a bad guy or there's an American bad guy, you've got a white English-speaking bad guy and a white English-speaking good guy. So it counteracts it. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't get that growing up. If it was a person of color as the bad guy... There was rarely a counterpoint that showed that a person of color can be a good guy as well. And that's yeah. the damaging part for people growing up. Yes. Yeah, because so, you imagine like, you know, growing up on a playground and, and you're like the one um kid like from from like that's got Muslim heritage sort of thing. You're gonna be called a terrorist and like and you know, even post nine eleven it's gonna be even worse. Yeah. And you're gonna have to wear that and like, you know, everyone seems that seems seems to think that's okay. That's bullshit. I had a friend in primary school whose family came from Iran and we were good friends. And I was luckily I was young enough to not understand or see these things or hear about these things to affect our relationship. But if we'd gone to the same high school together, there's no doubt I would have started, you know, this is, I, I will own this up, that I probably would have started making horrible comments to him, thinking that it's fun, thinking it's not damaging. Mm. That's just what everyone was doing. Yeah. And that's what movies like this have created. And I know they probably didn't mean it at the time. It wasn't the plan, but you need to take responsibility for what you're portraying. Yeah. You and also think... need to give that guy less forehead. Because <laughs> his forehead and his eyes just own this film. Yeah. Nah. I mean, um, I as a bad guy in himself, he's actually a really good bad guy because he's got very... He's, he doesn't suffer anyone, basically. Like, um, I mean... The, the way he treats Tia Carrera is like fucking disgusting um, but yeah like there seems to be like it's a bit it's a it's a very male testosterone fueled movie where women are like you know it's just sort of like props to to use and all that stuff and it's like it's I know this time around like obviously back in the day I probably didn't think of this and like I will say like I, I love me a good uh, toilet based action set piece Always very good. Um, not <laughs> How as good kindergarten as, cop was that too? Not as good as Casino Royale, but you know whatever. Um, but it's yeah, I think it's it's still icky. Like this movie is just icky to me and always will be. And like I think have, this will be the last time I, I I watch it. Yeah, I I had memories of liking this as a child. Um, I don't know how I would have sat through it. I don't remember the start very well. I don't think um, I would have remembered. I think with the dancing, I don't think I would have like remembered the fact that she looks absolutely terrified and shaking before she starts doing the dance thing, and yeah, didn't realize that like she maybe she may be thinking like I am literally going to get raped in a sec. And, and I guess so. The idea of it is like that's going to be the unveiling of him. Yeah, but like if you're going to surprise your wife with that, surprise her before she does something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like maybe when she walks in the room, like surprise, let's yeah. have a sexy night. And Bill Paxton, uh, one... I, I think Bill Paxton oh, like, yeah. is 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 good at what he does, but like he plays really 
really horrible characters all the time, so it's hard to yeah, like. Yeah, he it. plays the grossest person, but he's yeah. so good in this. Yeah. He's, 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 he's perhaps he's, a shining light in he's this ex- film. He's the extension of his character in Aliens. <laughs> I think it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just Bill just, Paxton. I, Paxton. I hate to end on a bad note um, yeah. and a triggering note. But have you heard the Eliza Dushku story? Yeah, well, that's, that's the other thing that sort of comes into this. So she yeah. she was um, apparently um, sexually abused by her stunt uh, coordinator, like, um, and then he put her in harm's way by not um, making sure that she was safe during a action set piece. Um, I'm assuming to other like I don't know whether he's trying, trying to kill her or like just trying to like like scare her. Um, she said, by no small coincidence, she broke some ribs. Yes. In a stunt that went wrong not long afterwards. That he was a supervisor for. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and she, and like, he, was, he was even approached. So this is probably how it happened. She told someone about it. Um, and the stunt coordinator, uh, what's his name? Kramer. Mm. He was approached. And then some slight accident happened later on. So, yeah, um, you know, he's supposed think, to be one of the best as well. Yeah. And and also was able to work for years after this without you know that that all came out sort of only in the last few years and the fact that this guy's allowed to like keep working um, I would say blood on James Cameron's hands for that so yeah yeah <sighs> so we won't go into there is she has explained like she came out quite bravely and said uh, she has very vivid memories of it all she was like twelve or thirteen years old like remembers yes. it far too well so if you feel the need to know what the horrible man did um yep. you can but let's just say he's gross the film is gross yeah um no one needs it yeah stop one being star. like on the, the, my big thing is like when i was like when i talked about it on the other podcast like this is just this nostalgic love for it like and it overrides everything and I'm like i suppose it's that whole separate the art from the artist sort of thing so like but i'm just like this one i think is just um I don't know. Like even without that, what happened to Eliza Dushku on it? Um, it's it's gross, but that sort of just takes it over, like just punts it over the line of being like decent. So, fuck true lies. Oh, let's and let's to... not even yep. talk about that poor horse. <laughs> oh yeah. Started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Fuck true lies. Let's let's uh, <laughs> let's do uh, TV. Uh, so we haven't got um, any TV. We haven't got any pilots or anything like. That. But let's uh, go for we didn't guess the name. Um, our ongoing sem- segment where oh God, Ben tries to <laughs> yeah, thank you. Ben tries to name all the guests that were on uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, uh, one of our favourite shows, and he does it to the tune of "We Didn't Start the Fire" by our Lord and Saviour William Joel. I am slightly offended that you say Ben tries because am I yet to fail? Ben tries. And continues to succeed. Or could this be the day? Yeah. That I stumble. For they do two shows. <laughs> it's a pretty big month. There's some okay, uh, cool. interesting names here. There's a lot of names I do not know. This is Porizkova. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Hey, hey, hey. You deal with that when you get to it. Okay. I'm not scrolling through them at all. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to start you. I'm going to start you up. Okay. Uh, three, two, one, go. 
Bill Bellamy, Lisa Kudrow, David Goldsmith, Leela Kenzel, Kim Coles, Jeffica Kodu, Jack Nesworthy, Kim Coles, Anka Radakovich, Tony Miola, Mark Glaner, Dr. Drain, and Ned Love, uh, <laughs> Ron Popiel, Harry Conjunior, David Sedaris, Sibyl Shepard, Lena Whitmuller, Mark Judge, Julie Waters, Nathan Lane, Peggy Noonan, Phil Simmons, Jenny Bruant, Gary Sinise, Lisa Silva, Tom Arnold, Andy Rehol, Janine Garofalo, Anthony LaPaglia and Robin Leach, Lynn Russell, Lisa Gibbons and Ava Goda, Michael Moore, Isaac Hayes, Paulina Puzakova, Wit Steelman, Ellen Cleghorn, Gina McCarthy, that was terrible, I apologise, but I made it. Ah, oh, damn, 57 seconds. You uh, always get this, so... like, always three seconds out. <sighs> uh, I don't think, I feel like the tune was not the tune to begin with. Is that just me? Oh, it's always, it, it never is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're awful at this. Uh, that's why, that's, that's yeah. the joke. <laughs> hey, last time you said I was getting too good at the tune. You were, actually. I'll, I'll Pressure got to credit, me. Credit where credit's due. Um, um, quickly, before yes. we jump to music, his musical guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Chunk. Hey! Yeah, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Um, uh, I don't know if the rest of them are musical, so I'm not going to say their names. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, segue nicely into music with that. All right, so we've got uh, the Aria charts. Um, Crash Test Tummies are out. And, this, and this is in. That's enough. So, uh, <laughs> I always forget that start of the song. Um, I'm guessing because Australia finally got four wins in a funeral three months after it came out of rules. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, it, it was like, uh, it's like, oh, you heard this uh, wet, wet, wet? Pretty good, eh? Um, so they put that in the chart, and I remember that was everywhere. Absolutely. Just, everywhere. Like, just quickly, I don't want to get too much into it later because they're not that good. But it's not that great of a song. It's really, really catchy, and it's easy. But when you listen to it, this could easily have been a nothing song. Could you? It got lucky. Do me a favor. Listen to it in your car, and listen to it at a desk doing mindless reports because that's the people who are like requesting it on radio. <laughs> mm. Like whenever you've like whenever, and this goes for everything. If any, if you're like, oh, how did that even get to the number one? Listen to it in your car in gridlock, or listen to it while like putting data into like a computer, and you're like, ah. Oh, this this breaks up the monotony of my of my life. <laughs> does it though? That's not you can sing. Or does to it add the... to the monotonous? Remember, oh, like crush your dummies. Like if you're in a car and you're like, you know, you're stuck at a, like, you know, you're stuck in traffic. You see, crash test dummies has like that slightly different sound. Love is all around. Oh, just slots perfectly into the sound of the time. And I think they're just. They're a touch catchier. It was in a big film, and it blew it up. Yeah, maybe it was if like not you for know, four weddings and a funeral. Whenever no one would have known this. Song. Whenever it was, everyone was like trying to think of Hugh Grant and like you know have some fun at work behind underneath the desk. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, I'll fuck him in the movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm edging like in the mask. Um, <laughs> we've got the Prodigy music for a jilted um, generation, Hootie and the Blowfish crack review, Magna Pop, uh, Desiree, L7, Hungry for Sting, Alice Cooper, The Watchman, Rolling Stones, Elliot Smith, Powderfinger, Coolio, Jamie Foxx, No Effects, Sophie B. Hawkins, Arnie DeFranco. Quite the month. Quite yeah. the month. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, I know at the start I said it's not a good month, but... Yeah. Heralds the return of a little section that we used to call Powderfinger News. Powderfinger News. Hey, everybody. It's Powderfinger News. Uh, this is like a section we had uh, a couple of years, couple of seasons ago where we talked about Powderfinger and because one of our esteemed uh, guests, Bob, was a big Powderfinger fan for whoever knows what reason. Um, and we well, as, to... as we'll find out the potential reason. Yeah, so this they right. finally released their um, album. Let's, let's just quickly go into... Well, let's do, let's do Tail. See, I, we talked about it last uh, episode about the helmet effect. Yeah. Where it's like, I didn't like helmet because of all the bands that came after helmet that sounded like helmet. I think Powderfinger nearly was one of those bands <laughs> until someone yep. said like, hey, slow it down, guys, and get crapper. Yep. <laughs> Just get... <laughs> they you're... melded helmet and wet, wet, wet together. It's like, you're, and not, got Powderfinger. you're not middle of the road yet. Get off that ledge, Powderfinger. <laughs> and just get boring. <laughs> you know what's funny? On Spotify, uh, Powderfinger and Spotify care so much about Powderfinger, they haven't put in the release date. And you know it's not a release date because they put January 1st. Ah, yes. yeah. It was not released January 1st. They just didn't want to look up and add in when it came, actually came out. When was uh, Spotify officers like, when was Powderfingers? Uh, well, we could look up the wiki. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> It was 94, somewhere in 94. January, January 1st? 1st? Yeah, fine, yeah, no problems. Can't get wrong. Okay, so that was Powderfinger News. Powderfinger News. Okay, let's go Let's go through, through some of these. Um, we. Uh, I know what we both want to talk about, but <laughs> I want to just go... Um... This one is a lot less scary. The film clip for this freaked me out. I've got a, uh, a long-standing um, fear of voodoo and lots of stuff, and the and I think this film clip basically made it that way. It's got um, it's a very frenetic uh, chase through like reeds and lots of stuff, and they've got this um, this guy dressed up as like a voodoo priest, and it's just oh my god! I don't think I'd ever seen the video. It's really freaky. The, the song itself is not scary so i forgot that it's even prodigy because it's yeah it doesn't frighten me uh i really like magnapop i think they were um like you know again like sort of that sort of middle of the road sort of um alternative thing but like it was i'd never heard of them ever before and i thought they were, they were pretty good um sorry go back to prodigy like i know that, like the next album obviously is, is the big one um 
they're one of these ones that like I sort of dip in and out of. Like I don't mind a lot of like their songs. Like it's like, some of us, some of them are pretty good. But like I would never say like, I would never go out of my way to like you know go see them or you know. yeah. Can you believe that we're here already? You gotta be by Desiree. Ah, it's so good. What a tune, man! This is this is Gabriel's dreams all over again. Yes, yeah. <laughs> when it started, when it started up, I was like, "Is that? Is that Gabriel?" <laughs> um, also, I wanted to make a really wanted to highlight. Um, we're in DeFrancoville, and I am quite the only DeFranco fan. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but I feel like I could be. It definitely gets um, they, she gets a lot better over the next few albums, but this one was really good. Like I had this uh, album on most most of the week. Um, it's just, I mean, and look, it's again, it's not, it's not like you know, um, anything sort of too out there, but like it's just nice to listen to. Um, Sophie B. Hawkins, I, I actually, I thought "Wish I Was Your Lover" was like her <laughs> her one hit, but this one. And I I didn't know who this was at the start. I was like, I think I thought it was um. She's just delightful. Yes. I'm not sure who I thought that was, but I didn't think it was Sophie B. Hawkins. I'm getting um, um, some nice Lisa Hannigan vibes from her, hmm. uh, yeah. who used to sing with Damien Rice and is also delightful. Uh, Elliot Smith, um, Condora, uh, sorry, the uh, Roman Candle. Um, I really started getting um, Elliot Smith. Um, I haven't actually heard this album. I've, I've heard his like later stuff, but this one was pretty good. I thought he's, he's the one that I always keep thinking that you would like, but then you don't like. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is someone that... I've often been told that I should like or should listen to or why don't you like him? Yeah. Because I like everything adjacent to him. Um, but this stuff got me a little bit close. I, it's purely uh, age. Like, I didn't find him when I was 16. Yeah. I don't have that connection with him. Like, I'm going to like him at some point, but I'm never going to have an emotional connection to Elliot Smith. All right. We also get this. Yeah. Back in Helmet Town. Fucking love that song so much. Um, that's L7 with Andre from um, uh, Hungry for Stink. They got an awesome song called Can I Run on this album, and that's it's um, the lyrics to this are really really powerful. Um, if you get a chance, listen to that definitely. Um, uh, what a great title as well. Yeah, it's that's actually. Stink. I reckon. Oh man, I wish I, I wish I'd. Um, they'd release "Can I Run" as like as a single. Actually, uh, we had Alice Cooper bring out one and Rolling Stones. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rolling get... Stones. I, I mean, kudos for them for like releasing new music. Because yeah. <laughs> like, no one wants to hear it. Yeah. Um, Die Hards. I've got to... Oh, man. Did you listen to the Coolio stuff? Yeah. <laughs> man, am I not <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> oh my god, I gotta play it. It's amazing. It's that's hands in my nuts sack, <laughs> and it is just as good as what you think it's gonna be. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. think I think uh, this one, like I I hadn't listened to much Coolio stuff, but um, yeah, I, I I listened to this album a bit, and he's a really good lyricist. He's amazing, much better than Jamie Fox. Yes, the the well known actor. What's all that about? This is also I'm I'm, I'm loving the gangster. Yes, that is not Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, uh, I gonna plead ignorance here. I didn't actually know he was this prolific. I knew that he did some stuff. Yeah, but I didn't know that he was like as prolific um, music artist. Like he's got a lot of albums that I did not know that he uh, he released. Yeah, I didn't know about it until Gold Digger that he. I thought that was his first foray, but uh... yeah, um, I would be remiss to not um, uh, mention this band. That is Just no effects with uh, punk and drublic. Look, I know no effects are very much an acquired taste. Um, but I cannot discount the effect that this album in particular had on my punk uh, upbringing. Like, this is a huge album. Everyone had it. Everyone loved Leave It Alone. Um, it has got... Not some... everyone. <laughs> um, at the time, it had songs like Don't Call Me White, which is, you know, um, sort of leaning into their Jewish heritage um, quite a bit, which was really cool. They had The Bruise um, also sort of um, talk about that. My favorite, my favorite song on there now. I think it was back then too, but like, like still my favorite song is Laurie Myers. Um, it's just um, the drums in that, and just like the the um, content of the song is is really really good. Um, did you like it? Or not? <laughs> uh, look, I'm not gonna yuck on your fun, but I was never a punk kid. Yeah, uh, anything that was fast or overly distorted or loud yeah it's just i was very uh i wasn't an emo kid but i'd like to have like melody and feeling in my songs i never connected with that punk sound yeah so it's it's never going to happen for me there's like stuff now that like laura jane grace like i think she's incredible there's i'm not going to put her in the same box as no effects but there are some no (laughs) (laughs) Um, um there's some punk-esque bands that I can tolerate and enjoy, but majority is, it's not for me. Well, that song I was talking about, that Laurie Meyer song, um, uh, it's got a, a female singer that I've never really sort of, um, I'm not sure at some point I've like always looked, I've looked up who it was, but this year, um, having heard a couple of releases now doing this podcast of The Muffs, um, it's uh, Kim Chatuk from, um, Kim Chatuk from The Muffs. Oh, I remember The, the Muffs, um, they're all right. Yeah, that she does um, a... Uh, a guest vocal on Laurie Myers. That's um, it's just every time I hear it, it's just amazing. So, uh, let's get to um, I think we've gone through everything. Let's get to the one, and I know like <laughs> we're not trying to be ironic here. Anyway, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. 
Cracked Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish is a really good album. <laughs> oh, and no. I've, no, that's not where I was going at all. Um, I, I, I don't care. Like, I, And I've got a few... Um, I'm not sure where... Where were you going? Um, just that song. So when I initially looked at the music list, I thought, these are all duds. I'm just going to listen to Hootie. Um, and there's one just 10 out of 10 track on this album. What do you think? I don't want to the be rest of it... Yeah, the rest of it was skippable. No, no, but... it's not. Um, it's yes. fine, but like, no, like, you're wrong. Um, it's that song's really good. I reckon like, after listening to the whole album, and I want to just um, do a shout out to our past guest and friend Steel. Um, there was this moment we had when we were uh, both playing in a band. He picked me up for practice, and I got in the car, and he was playing Crack Review, like the album. He had the CD on in the car. And it was that thing of like it kind of kind of like a in is it Tommy Boy when they're <laughs> when they're yeah. both <laughs> yes it was just like on it's, and I'm, I'm like we're driving along and I was like is is this Hootie and the Blowfish? He's like yeah, <laughs> and I'm like really? And he's like it's really good, man. And I'm like and I was like okay, all right. We go a little bit longer. I'm like you're not wrong. This is actually really good. He's like, yeah. And he's, he does that He does that thing where he just does that slow nod and I'm just like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, like, I always think now of Steel when I think of Hootie and the Blowfish and just like, just like, and it, it, for me, it was like, as a, as, as a friend of his, I was like, man, he truly just loves every type of music. Like, you can't peg him down. And this, I, from that, from that day onwards, I like, I went back home probably that night and just like chucked on. I'm like, you know what? This is actually really good. As far as like a band goes, like they were good. They just came out at the wrong time. They came out at the time just after grunge, just after like um, Kurt passed. Yeah. The new metal stuff was coming out. Um, I found a very, very like so I was looking for some articles, and there was one where um, they talked to um, uh, Darius Rucker, like the lead singer, and he's like. I remember all the people who gave a shit. Um, Trent Reznor did an article for Rolling Stone where it was entitled Fuck Hootie. Um, he, if you ever want to read one of the just like, I'm not saying like, I don't know whether we want, I'm going to call it the, the worst article or just the best article to um, explain why I don't like Trent Reznor. Check out <laughs> rollingstone.com and there is an article called Fuck Hootie from 1997 and he comes off as a complete piece of shit also, um, should be uh, reckon, uh, should be remembered for the fact that he says, "Look at an artist like Marilyn Manson doing good new things." Someone that I actually had a hand in um, getting a start. I'm like, oh, so we should blame you? Um, yeah, that article. Oh, it just it, it enraged me. Um, Maybe go and ask Courtney Love her views on Trent Reznor too. Which is <sighs> a very interesting take. In the article, he does, and I don't want to turn the Trent Reznor show, but like he, he, you know, how I told you how he did downward spiral in Sharon Tate's house that she got murdered in. Yeah, he, her sister asked him during that recording, "Is like, why are you explo- exploiting my sister?" And in the article, he's like, "Oh, and that hit me really hard. I went home that night and cried." And I'm like, "Yeah, so you should, you shit." And but he did, he still and didn't continue to do it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, it was a blip on my radar, and then I just can continue to do to be shit. So um, were Hootie the original Nickelback? Was there like a hate? Well, that's them? the thing. Yeah, I would say that if you're going to do a comparison, it would just be like someone, a, a band that for no other reason people hate just for the fact that like a lot of other people like them or just like that the, the mainstream media sort of just sort of shoves it down your throat. Do you, who- do, you think, do you think they partly hate them because of this? You and me, 
We come from different worlds. You like to laugh at me when I look at other girls. Sometimes you're crazy, then you wonder why. I'm such a baby, because the dolphins make me cry. Dolphins do make me cry. Put on a little Dylan, sitting on a fence. I said that line is great. You asked me what it meant. Said I shot a man named Gray, took his wife to Italy. She inherited a million bucks, and when she died, it came back to me. <laughs> Poetry! <laughs> When, you know, yeah. on our other uh, podcast, Do You Think I'm Spooky, we just recently covered a, uh, it's not out yet, but we recently covered an X-Files episode where they talked about the Voyager, where they shot shot this thing into space about to tell people about <laughs> Earth and like <laughs> and, and art. They should just give Hootie and the Blowfish lyrics <laughs> as, our con- as our means to contact other worlds. <laughs> you look at me, you've got nothing left to say. <laughs> I'm going to power at you until I get my way. I won't dance. You won't sing. I just want to love you, but you want to wear my ring. That means she wants to finger his bum hole. <laughs> well, there's nothing I can do. I only want to have my bum hole fingered by you. <laughs> well, you don't want to, you want to make sure that someone's special. Um, <laughs> it so, is a great song, though. It is an amazing song. Yeah. Um, Hold My Hand's also really good. Um, that's okay. And there's another song that's on the album, Running From an Angel. <sighs> we could do like a, a complete podcast just um, us like reading out reading the Bluefish lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, do you want me to review the album? Mm-hmm. I've, I've just written up a little quick blurb what I thought okay. of it. Okay. I hated this album. Hated, 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 <laughs> hated this album. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by itself that anyone would be entertained by it. Can you imagine like someone walking out of the north and then chucking on their Walkman and they're listening to Crack Review by <laughs> the Blowfish? Yes. Yes. This is the I best. And they're like, this is the best life we'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> and they were not wrong. Oh man! And then they went and saw True Lies and thought, "Huh, oh, uh, white people are great. We're saving the world." Yeah, uh, more hootie, please. Let's talk. Uh, so let's do our um top uh our picks for best album and best um uh movie. <laughs> um, I have to say. For best album, I was I was gonna I was already say Crack Review by Who's a Blowfish, but it's 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 getting challenged by um I DeFranco out of range. Um, challenged or it's lost to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I I I I really like Hootie, but um I suppose even liking it the way the way that I do, maybe like that's it's still got that sort of like it's not ironically right liking it, but it's like. Yeah, you made a point. I made a point of listening to it because it's something that like most other people wouldn't listen to. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go Ani DeFranco out of range. I'm gonna go quite left field here and say Sophie B Hawkins. Ooh, look at you, Whaler. She's. Did you like, listen to it? Like I said, she's just did you listen to the whole album. Yeah, like she doesn't reach the same heights as the singles, obviously. Yeah, that's that's why singles are singles, but. It, it's look. It's not a amazing mark musically. Anything no. I pick here is not an album I'm going to love for the rest of my life. But between that, 
Elliot Smith could have had a chance. Uh, Hootie could have had a chance. Andy think, Franco could have had a chance. I think Andy Franco just like reignited my love for. I haven't listened to her for a while, and I'm like, yeah, she's she's good. I can like her. Um, what about your film, sir? Uh, I, look, I'm you've watched quite a go. few. This is a tough call. I know, but I'm gonna go. I, I knew it. Before. I knew it as soon as I was uh, watched it. Um, it could happen to you. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's really, really good. It made me feel really good. Um, it made me feel better than most other movies I watched this this one. And like, I, it's one that I'm like, if I saw that out like on DVD or Blu-ray, and I'd walk past, it, I'm like, I'm buying it. Like, I'd watch that movie again. Um, I need to uh, just underline there's a supporting actor Wendell Pierce in this. Um, a lot of people would know him from like The Wire and from Treme. This is one of his first sort of major films, and he's amazing at it. He plays uh, Nicolas Cage's friend. So, um, yeah. Is he the uh, guy that says shit? What do you mean? The, there's a character in The Wire, and he goes, shit. Is that him? I believe, yes. I haven't okay. watched The Wire for quite, quite, quite a year. I've never seen it, but I've heard. Uh, you, sir, what is your... Uh... I'm, th- I'm, I'm th- guessing by your detailed analysis that Angels in the Outfield would be right up there. But... Yes, you're correct. <laughs> nice, yes. <laughs> um, primarily, it is the least problematic film that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um... aside from a religious factor that I think is, you know, an issue in many American films, um, but it's not really a religious thing. It's more just angels. It's a spiritual like mention thing. of God, but yeah, yeah. Um, but like North, the cultural issues are not pleasant. True <laughs> lies, and that Clint Eastwood eye keeps trying to do, amongst everything else we already said. Yeah, the mask wasn't bad. <laughs> the mask was like the mask had like a lot to us to live up for, considering like how much we trashed Ace Ventura. <laughs> so I think it's like yeah. as and long look, as the mask did... is probably a better film than Angels in the Outfield. I probably mm. liked it better, mm. but. I'm not giving it my nod this month. Yeah. Blown Away came very close, but um uh yeah, I just loved it could happen to you more. So yeah. And I loved Great, a psycho kid. <laughs> <laughs> you're and I was an, actually you're um, be an angel. <laughs> I um I should have said Danny Glover's actually really good in this. Yeah. There's moments I you're reminded of Lethal Weapon when it's like, Hey, do you know how to act? You mean <laughs> Shown how to act before, um, yeah, he's he carries us really well. I think um, with Danny yeah, Glover, sometimes he just sometimes he just looks like actually tired and just like I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like in legit, like is that's just him as an actor? I'm just like I really just don't want to do this today. But yeah, he does have some good performances. Um, so if you want to get in contact with us, living in the past pod at gmail dot com. Uh, check us out on Instagram. We have got um, a bunch more stuff coming up for this season. Um, do you think our spooky is coming up soon? We'll let you know when that uh, is coming. But if you want to know beforehand, subscribe to it and you will start getting episodes uh, directly delivered to you, which is good. I mean, not directly delivered, but they'll you know yep. pop up in your feed. We're going to put USBs in your mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> What's a USB? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so until next time um, yeah we will see you later thanks for listening good night everybody thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past 
got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at Mild Scribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks.